All right, well, we're doing it. My name's Allison Voidovich. I am Allie Toons. Welcome back to All Is On with the Allisons. Allie Toons is definitely more the research type. I'm not an idiot, but she definitely prepared way more for this episode than me, so. <laughs> but the point of the podcast is that our name is the same. One of these days we'll learn how to sing and we'll do this intro as if we're actually good at something. Hi guys, you're listening to All Is On with the Allisons. (laughs) I am one of your hosts, Allie Toombs. I'm uh, your other host, also named Allison, Allison Voidovich. And this week is extra, extra special because we have our first guest host, we're so excited to have kaya on today he is ali's cousin and indeed um very cool we spent like half an hour just chatting with him already we're like we should probably hit record on this podcast (laughs) Um, yeah we're talking about cool things like share it with the rest of the world (laughs) so say hello hi i'm hezekiah laronda and i'm a psychic (laughs) <laughs> yes. question mark <laughs> <laughs> said with confidence <laughs> it, it was going a little like pa for a second there like psychics anonymous <laughs> <laughs> like, <yeah>. oh. <laughs> oh i'm a psychic and i love my abilities anonymous version of that <laughs> i know right yeah, so we, <laughs> we just thought this is a, would be a super interesting topic because I feel like we've skirted around like what I call woo woo shit a lot. And like, <laughs> it's cool to have someone who as for a time his working profession was as a psychic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it sounds like you just by choice don't do that anymore because you still have a couple clients. Um, but but yeah, so we're very excited to have you on. Um, yes, thank you so yeah, much for being here with us. We love you. We're so excited to have you. Uh, another caveat is um, for all the listeners, if you hear a random bang, my cat is in a cone and he keeps trying to hit the microphone. So And I'm not a I'm, good podcast editor, so that's what she's trying to say. No, you know, things happen, so I apologize. Um, but yeah, so let's just go ahead and get started. So um, Kaya, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, as I said, uh, my name is Hezekiah LaRonda. Um, my family calls me Kaya, so y'all can call me that. Uh, I didn't know that I was psychic until I knew that everybody else wasn't. Mm. So uh, right now I'm living in Salt Lake City, which is gorgeous. Never thought that I would live here, but I'm working as an accountant now because I love Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> it's, it is a passion of mine. Um, I was a psychic professionally for three years um at the the encouraging of a lot of other life coaches and psychics who i worked with uh when i lived in costa rica opening a spiritual retreat center there that's right i remember when you guys did that yeah they they encouraged me to pursue it professionally and i did and i loved it um but after a while i kind of just realized that it's not my calling and i don't know what my gifting is meant to be used for exactly but i'm not sure that it like has to be used in a certain way you know, it's kind of like if if, um, if I had perfect pitch, it doesn't necessarily mean I have to be a musician. Right. Mm-hmm. So. That's very true. That's a good way of putting it. 
Yeah, I yeah. like that analogy. And I know mm -hmm. Ali really likes to go into like the dictionary definition of things. So she, that's the one, <laughs> I start the one note she took today. This one's going to be pretty loosey goosey. Oh, I'm actually curious about what this, the like Webster's definition of psychic. Yeah, this is the Oxford dictionary. It's literally psychic definition when you type it into Google. And I did these notes while waiting for my Dutch brothers today. So <laughs> that's how I did it today. Um, so the first definition that they written down, cause you know, it's multifaceted. They have the adjective, they have the noun, blah, blah, blah. So the first one is related to or denoting faculties or phenomena that are apparently inexplicable by nat natural laws, especially involving telepathy or clairvoyance. Um, and I didn't, I meant to look up what tele telepathy and clairvoyance were because I, you know, to me, telepathy is 11 from Stranger Things moving her mind. And then <laughs> clairvoyance no, that, is no, medium seeing into the future. <laughs> Telepathy oh, yeah. is speaking to each other through your mind. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Telepathy yeah. is mental communication. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 1,000% always thought telepathy was like 11 from Stranger Things. Like, that's what I imagine, like, with the blood coming down her nose. <laughs> that's, so, so yeah. The part where she's, like, traveling with her mind is both telepathy and clairvoyance. So, like, when she, have you seen it? When she, like, goes yeah. to see her mom. So that's both telepathy and clairvoyance. Uh. Yeah. How so would you define um, clairvoyance? I don't remember that part, but I haven't seen like. Sorry, season two. season two. I haven't seen all of season two. Uh, <laughs> As like, I, I, I rewatched it like 15 times, so it's. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> telepathy, yeah. telepathy is something that like, I've never met a human who can like full on use telepathy, but sometimes uh, I can only speak for my experience and like maybe some things that other people have told me their experiences, but sometimes. I will just hear thoughts that are not mine. Mm -hmm. And this is different from clear audience. So clear audience is where you hear voices. You can like actually hear non-physical beings. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of mediums or people who can tap into like the ghost plane, they're very clear audience. Mm. Uh, I'm not clear audience, <laughs> but telepathy is where I, I can like hear things. Sometimes what'll, the things that used to happen to me when I was younger, and this is, probably a sort of common experience with all of humanity is you'll, you'll like hear this song in your head. You'll get a song like randomly in your head mm -hmm. and then you turn on the radio and that song is playing right then and there. It's happened to me. Totally before. happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, am I tuning into radio waves? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. But Especially when it's bit. like a really random song too. The one in my experience yeah. that I'm thinking of, it was like not a very popular song. Yeah, and then another example, kind of a common example of telepathy or and or claircognizance. If you're like, you immediately start thinking about a friend you haven't talked to in a long time and then all of a sudden they call. Mm -hmm. If it's happening like right away, that's telepathy. You can feel them thinking about you. You can feel mm -hmm. their thoughts in your direction trying to get your attention. If if it happens like you think about them the day before or the morning of, and then they call you that evening, sometimes that's clear cognizance where you're, you're picking up on something about to happen in the future. So does Claire imply future sight or? No, Claire okay. just means like clarity. Got it. Clairvoyance. And... Voyance means sight or to, to so voyage you with your your site. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I don't know if Claire means clarity. I just assume that. It, could mean, <laughs> it sounds it could like it could. It could be perceiving. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but clear cognizance comes in.
Mantra, it is all where you kind of are tapped into all the knowledge of the universe. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I have. Clairvoyance comes from the third eye, which is the pad on the front of your forehead or the pineal gland inside the middle of your brain. Mm -hmm. um, that deals with being able to see things. So people who can see auras yep. are clair uh, clairvoyant. Clairvoyant. Mm -hmm. People mm -hmm. who have vision and can like see something um, and, and bring that into reality are usually using their clairvoyance, but we, we don't think of that as psychic ability. For like a CEO who's very, has a very clear vision, we don't think of that as psychic. Right. That is using the Ambition. same ability. Mm. If you're able to see something in your mind and bring it about into reality. Right. There some, a lot of people might refer to that as like a powerful manifester, but that's like, yeah. a mm. yeah. Well, a lot of that comes from the third eye. Um, that's interesting. We used to, yeah, I, I have some familiarity with that from nursing school and stuff. Sorry. Oh, I'm no trying worries. to not interrupt people. <laughs> I'm just kind of like going through all of them right now because the, the, the trick is that all of us are like, naturally gifted in one or two of these things right we can all develop mm. all of them but it's kind of like if i'm naturally gifted as an athlete or i'm naturally gifted as a scholar or i'm naturally gifted as a musician or have people skills like we all have natural strengths and weaknesses and it's the same with psychic ability mm. Mm. so like you know claircognizant clairvoyant the next one is clairaudient that comes from i think the throat chakra and that's where you hear voices and usually a lot of mediums or people who talk to ghosts like are kind of on the clear audience. Um, then there is uh, clear sentience, which is also what I have. And that is where you feel things like mm -hmm. your whole body is like an antenna receiving feelings. Um, a lot of people who are empathic that's um, oftentimes confuse that with clear sentience. They're similar, but very different. Um, clairsentience, I literally can like, I can feel colors. I don't know how to describe this sensation to people. It's just like synesthesia. Yeah. But I can feel colors. So whenever I try to, someone's like, Hey, what's my aura color? I have to like put my hands near them to like feel what the color of their aura is. And, I love that. And I don't know how else to describe that other than like, I can feel color. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, empathy, um, which is closely related to clairsentience. But a lot of people are, I think empathy is probably the most accepted, like generally accepted of all of the psychic abilities, just because it's such a common thing. Um, but like us poor little empaths, we have to learn how to like turn it off and like have sound. <laughs> If you're an empath, boundaries are super important. Learn about boundaries. Do not resist boundaries. Like you need to understand boundaries better than anyone else if you're an empath. Because Allison, didn't you say you kind of think you're an empath? Yeah. Um, well, because I was going to say like from, and that was one that I like just most recently admitted to. <laughs> I say mm -hmm. admitted to because I feel like I, well, I just said I feel like that's an empathetic way to start something. Um, I feel like, when I know I'm about to experience like a really strong emotion, especially if it's one like when like the Black Lives Matter stuff first started or like, like you can just like I've been in a room before where the point was like people were supposed to release their anger and I literally had to leave because I was so terrified of all like I had never felt so much hatred before. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like, yeah, it's like you're feeling other people's emotions for them, but you mm -hmm. know, and you know, it's not yours. 
And it's, it can, for me, like once I figured out what my energy felt like, I think I've just always been so good at blocking other people's off that like, once I started admitting to myself again recently that I'm an empath, it feels like a flood and you do, you need to know like energetically, what are the things I need to do to like wind down or like, who are the people I just, you know, I can love yeah. them all I want, but I can't spend a certain amount of time around them. Like all this stuff, because like, it feels like you're just a, ch- a sponge or a channel or something. And just everyone's shit is allowed inside if you don't know how to control it. Yeah. A sponge is a perfect analogy because what happens when you're an empath is that your aura field has holes in it. It's porous. Mm. So everybody else's aura starts like coming into your space and you're feeling it as if it's yours. Now, the, the truth of the universe is that we're all one. Like, this is the teaching of oneness, that we are all, like, fractal expressions of the universe experience itself. Mm-hmm. So it kind of taps into that, that teaching of oneness that I feel what you feel because you are me and I am you. Yes. So that's where boundaries are super important for an empath to... Uh, embrace and accept, which, I, like, fun fact, most empaths have a difficult time embracing individuality. Mm-hmm. And, like, and boundaries can sometimes be a cuss word to empaths. <laughs> <laughs> like, not for other people. It's like, you're allowed to have your boundaries, but I can't have boundaries. And this is actually the, the most common way that empathy... I'm about to say something controversial. Do it. Uh, it's okay. This is actually the most common way that empathy is created is that you weren't allowed to have boundaries growing up as a child. Whether intentionally from your parents or unintentionally, you weren't allowed to have boundaries or a sense of individuality. And it, it can uh, amplify that empathic gifting beyond what is... Uh, reasonable or, mm. or even like make it overwhelming to an overwhelming degree. Mm-hmm. And so that's why boundaries are one of the most important things for an empath to focus on, on developing is their own sense of individuality. Mm-hmm. And, and boundaries are just our needs, our desires, our wants, and our preferences. That's all they are. But the more that we get in touch with that, the easier it is to actually be able to utilize our empathy and like actually turn it on and off yeah, or, or even respect other people's privacy that I don't need to feel what you feel. I'm going to respect your privacy. Mm. Um, the problem is when someone walks into the room who, and this kind of gets back to telepathy, who is what I call like public domain. Like <laughs> they are just shouting all of their thoughts and feelings everywhere. Yep. <laughs> the you can just read them as soon as they walk in. The oh room. my gosh. They're so loud. And it's just like, <laughs> And I've met people like this who are just like shouting their thoughts. And, uh, and I don't, you know, I don't pick up telepathy very often, but some people are so loud that I'm just like, oh my gosh. And now granted, this is like one out of a hundred people are like shouting their thoughts. Mm -hmm. And it's not like they're doing it intentionally. It's just that they, they have, you, you, every time that I've talked to one of these people who have this like shouting thing going on or public domain, Um, it's typically a person who does not like, does not want boundaries and finds boundaries of other people to be painful to them. Hmm. And so they're almost anti-boundary. And so that's why they're pushing all their energy on everybody else. It's like they want to break down the boundaries other people have up. Yeah. Whether that's like a conscious want or not. Correct. And it's usually because they actually miss and want to go back to collective consciousness. 
That makes a lot of sense. And that's super interesting, like, because I think about just patterns, like, I I am in my first long-term relationship. And so, like, I've learned a lot just about interacting with others from that, <laughs> especially, you know, if you're just in close proximity with someone for a long time and you get to know them so well. And I think about, like, a lot of the arguments that we had early on in our relationship, and so many of them were, like, him being adamant that, like, everyone is a sovereign being and we're all here having our own experience and like you can make it whatever you want and I was like but if you do this thing I'm not choosing to get my emotions hurt like I just am fucking upset like and I couldn't I didn't figure out for like the longest time that I was just trying to set a boundary and like and and his whole thing of like not understanding how his actions affect the whole like whether he chooses to or not like that drove me insane because in my head I was like okay, in science, if, if a law can be disproven once, it's not a law anymore. So I was like, you're presenting the law that everything you do or want is just you and you're creating all of it and you're not affecting anyone else. I was like, the way I'm breaking that law is by saying, if I slash your tires, do you feel affected now? <laughs> cool. Yeah. I, did, I decided to do a thing and you're suffering from it. That broke your law. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, I'm glad that you pointed that out because it's like, oh, shit, there were a couple of things that you said in there. Where I was like, oh, yeah, like that was me just trying to identify a boundary. Or that was yes. just me trying to like learn how to be a little bit alone. <laughs> and I will say that like uh, in, in my own life, anger has been the best way for me to figure out my, my boundaries. When I used to never feel angry, mm -hmm. like never feel it. But the reality was I just disassociated from the feeling of anger. Yeah. When I finally reconnected to it, I realize that it's my best friend. It's showing me what my boundaries are. Like That's what's a awesome. no for me. Yeah. And um, it, if your boyfriend, if he's like, sovereignty, like just remind him like, okay, well, if I'm a, if you're a sovereign nation and I'm a sovereign nation, we're in an alliance. So <laughs> we gotta, we gotta negotiate here. <laughs> I love that one. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really, really cool. Um, well, I appreciate the, the clar clarifications on those. Um, one of the, Ali, the, do you want to read the second definition that you found really quickly? Cause I like that one a lot. Oh yeah. Um, which I thought this was really interesting. Um, the second defi definition that, again, Google told me uh, is relating to the soul or mind, um, which I thought to describe psychic, which to describe psychic. Yeah, is um, way more vague. <laughs> I agree. It, it kind of harkens back to the other word psyche. Mm hmm. Mm. That makes sense. Um, well, you kind of got into this already. Um, you said kind of started talking about your skills or your abilities or whatever you would like to call them. Um, could you kind of go into more detail about what exactly you feel you experience? So, um, it, knowing that it's hard to put into words. <laughs> no, it's, it's not that it's hard to put into words. It's more like just trying to describe like color to someone who's colorblind. Yeah. Um, or more accurately, trying to describe color to someone who has colorblind contact lenses on their entire life <laughs> and doesn't you can't realize take it off. Yeah. you can and, and you know there should be a warning label on enlightenment by the way because <laughs> <laughs> you will have to face like some deep dark shit but <laughs> um oh is, is cussing allowed 
Yes, <laughs> encouraged. Okay. okay, I cuss like a sailor, so. Um, yeah, I don't even realize I'm doing it most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Which is really great when I have babies as patients. <laughs> yeah, so when I was growing up, I grew up in a fundamentalist Christian home in the Deep South. And uh, so every everything was filtered through the perspective of the Bible. And specifically their version of the Bible, like their view and perspective of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a as a small child, you know, I could I could see angels and I would talk to them. I could mm-hmm. see non physical beings, which I called angels because that was my understanding at the time. Right. And my parents just thought it was like imaginary friends, but it continued like. <laughs> Well past the age that you would have imaginary friends. Right. <laughs> and um, then, you know, I'd get, I'd kind of get in trouble for that. They didn't like that very much. And so I started suppressing that and like ignoring when I was seeing things that quote unquote weren't, were not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had Archangel Gabriel, like the entity known as Archangel Gabriel around me a lot as a child. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I would start ignoring him. And and eventually I stopped seeing them. I would basically just see it as like kind of a peripheral blur, you know? Um, and so that's kind of looking back on that. I'm like, oh, this is how children are discouraged from whatever their psychic gifting is and like learn to tune it out through conditioning because that's not acceptable. And, you know, some weird things would happen. Um, like, I remember one time my brother was playing some sports game on Nintendo and it was doing like trivia questions. And it was like, what year did they, you know, so-and-so win the World Series? And I was just like, 1971. And it, like, the answer, it wasn't even multiple choice and it just came up 1971. And he's like, how did you know that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know what years are. Like, I don't right. even know what year it is. Like, I'm five. Right. <laughs> like, uh, okay. But I just like heard the word in my head before it even like mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. And then like, this is probably a hyperbolic story, but it was this kind of story that got me pulled into the pastor's office with my parents. <laughs> but some, something had happened and I'm sure I'm getting this part of the story wrong because this is kind of told to me uh, after the fact that like, we we went to church and you know people like congregate in the hallways and stuff and talk before and after church and this man was standing there with a woman and i'm just not even paying attention because they do not care and my parents are talking to him and he's like oh well you know my wife sarah or whatever the woman standing next to him and blah blah blah, blah. and i picked up on that i was like i thought your wife's name was barbara and he went and I'm just like, what? And it turns out like a few weeks later, we find out that he was having an affair with a woman like uh, that named that. Oh my gosh. And, um, and so my parents were like, okay, something is going on here. So they sat me down with a pastor and they didn't know like what to do with me. They didn't know what was going on. And then at the age of 16, 15 or 16, they sat me down with the, uh, we were going to a different church and they sat me down they were like look we we don't understand what's what's happening with you or your gifting like the bible says that it could be like the gift of prophecy um 
but you need to understand something. Nobody else has this ability. And that was when I learned that my experience was unique. Mm. I thought everybody could like see angels, hear voices, feel colors. Like, yeah, <laughs> I just thought it was normal. Um, I didn't know that it was not normal until they sat me down and told me what their experience was like. So people often ask me, when did you know you were psychic? And it's like, no, it was, when did I know other people weren't? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, going into my teenage years was very difficult. My psychic ability was overwhelming mm -hmm. um, to the point that at 19, I, I, you know, I'm still like a very fundamentalist Christian at this time. So I'm like praying to God and to Jesus, like, please take this away from me. Like, it's too much. It's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to end my life. And, um, you know, because I'm just getting information, like picking up everything, everything. Right. And, um, and so I had like this vision of like Jesus coming in, which I call him Yeshua. Cause like, I actually, he's also an entity that you can talk to, Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes by Yeshua. Um, he came in and he actually took my psychic ability and held on to it until I was like, uh, until I wanted it back. And it, it immediately went away. It immediately, I was like a normie. And, um, but my guides, like I've talked to them since then. And they were like, yeah, it was that, or like you would, you would have died. Like you, yeah. Um, it was just so much for you to handle. It was too much for me to handle. And the, they said that the reason that they even agreed to it in the first place was I made the argument, either send me someone to train me and guide me and teach me how to use this ability or take it away. And they said that at the time, there was no one available to teach me. Um, so after that, they, wow. after that, Yeshua started trying to get me out of the church and get me out of the fundamentalist way of thinking, because they would never be able to teach me or train me or guide me if I was still stuck in the church. Mm -hmm. um, like the, because that was just such a, like a, a pinhole perspective. Of how much of you can universe. know. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so in 2009, 2010, uh, my boyfriend at the time, who later became my husband. I was like, uh, that's when we met. Yeah, Allie's, Allie's cousin. Um, he encouraged me like back to my spiritual roots. He saw that there's like, there's something here that you're, you've got a big lid on. Mm -hmm. And he actually encouraged me to like open back up to it. And, um, so I started, you know, opening it back up, but it didn't, it didn't come full force. It came in like a trickle mm -hmm. and over time, like just kind of more and more and more. Um, and then finally, like, I, I remembered that like Yeshua had like taken my ability and I, I asked for it back. And I had a lot of friends around me when I lived in Costa Rica and they all like, I told them this story and they were like, well, it's time to bring it all back. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm scared, but like, let's do it. And so <laughs> we all like kind of did this, you know, ritual to like bring it in and like accept it and own it. And I realized that at that time, like I still viewed psychic gifting as a poison mm. and I, I had to accept that poison. And then I realized it's not poison, it's healing. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really cool. But yeah, that's like, 
that's not my, that's my like story of my psychic journey of finally accepting myself and and you know now I do feel like I have guidance I have teachers I I am even able to communicate with my guides directly so even if a person is not available to guide me I have a, a non corporeal being who guides in a way that it's beneficial and not overwhelming ah I love that wow um sorry i think we're both just like oh this is so cool to hear like i have nothing to say i'm so intrigued. <laughs> so so we're gonna take a break no, <laughs> no here's, i'm like here's a sponsors. <laughs> just kidding um so yeah i mean it's funny because one of the questions i wrote down is like did you have any like special mentors or teachers in your life which I guess I didn't even realize I didn't clarify human <laughs> teachers. Um, so, um, yeah, cause I mean, you just, I love the way you describe these things because like from what I have experienced, like it sounds so similar. And I think like being in Austin where I am, a lot of the people who have like embraced the quote unquote spirituality or whatever are kind of, doing it in a very particular way that doesn't always resonate with me. So it's cool to like hear from someone who came from a fundamentalist Christian church, similar to myself, who like understands that perspective as well, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Cause yeah. the people that I tend to run into who are like willing to explore these abilities don't usually have the Christian background. And so when I describe things using that lingo, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't make sense to them or they're like, what, yeah. I've never heard of this before. Um, well, and, and what's happening there is the, the mind can only perceive and can like perceive what it can understand. Right. Right. So if we grew up in a very fundamentalist religion where, okay, I can understand angels, mm -hmm. but my brain cannot understand aliens. Right. If an alien comes to you to talk to you, you're going to perceive it as an angel. That's... Or, or if you can understand like spirit animals or like mm -hmm. animal totems, it will come to you as an animal. Like these are non-physical beings that we're talking about. So they present themselves in a way that our brain can actually process and digest and understand without it, without it filtering it out. Right. Like one time I saw a UFO. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was huge. Right. Like, I'm talking like, like a star destroyer from Star Wars. Just <laughs> oh my God. Over, just floating over Santa Monica, California. And when I looked at it, it, it was not floating. It was not hovering. It was as if it was like just sitting in the air, defying all reasonable laws of physics. And, because, okay. and immediately I turned away from it. And like could feel my brain trying to wipe it. And I was like, no, don't grab that. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on and, to it. <laughs> yeah. I can like, I can describe to you what it looked like. It's color. It was like this gunmetal gray color. It was in this triangle shape. Um, I drew it for a friend of mine and did not tell him that it was gunmetal gray. And he was mm -hmm. like, it was gunmetal gray, wasn't it? Oh my gosh. And I was like, yes. And he's like, I've seen those before too. Oh my gosh. And, but my brain, because it didn't match my brain's understanding of physics. Mm. Like, I'm open to aliens. I'm open to that possibility. But yep. my brain is not open to something that does not match physics. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And because of that, my brain was trying to wipe it. Like irrelevant, irrelevant. And our brains are doing that all the time. Irrelevant, irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And um, when we grow up in a fundamentalist home, 
it starts to take everything outside of that small perimeter and it's irrelevant. Mm. So we almost have to retrain our brain to be more open to allow things to come in that we, our brain would normally just throw in the waste bin because it's irrelevant. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense though. And like makes a lot of sense as to why like people with ability, like similar abilities from around the world seem to like experience quote unquote, their like traditional gods, if that makes sense. Like like, people who would identify as psychic from India are much more likely to see Ganesh and then like someone, you know, and then someone raised in the Bible belt Mm. in America is much more likely to connect with uh, Yeshua, you know? Yeah. So our guides um, will, our, our guides will come into us. And in some cases, like Yeshua is not one of my principal guides. Mm-hmm. My guides brought him in because he was the only one I would listen to. <laughs> but that's because of the circle. Yeah. That you had. The... Yeah. Mine was mm. a, a, a pinhole was, <laughs> was how I perceived the universe. Well, that's. And, and yeah. so because mm-hmm. Yeshua was the only one that I would even listen to, they had to bring in Yeshua, which, mm. which, um, so, uh, consciousness is like an ocean and each of us within the universe are like a stream of that ocean coming into a, a physical manifestation. Mm-hmm. But if you go up that stream, it, it, a lot of the streams merge and become rivers. They become lakes. They become the ocean. Mm-hmm. So if you take portions of that consciousness, there is a portion, we'll say a lake, that's known as Yeshua, known as Jesus, mm-hmm. or Ganesh, or Krishna, or Buddha, um, and, and other you know, things. These are archetypes <laughs> as we understand consciousness or understand thought forms or beings or entities or whatever. Yeshua, um, one thing that was hard to accept about myself was that as I go up my stream, I reach a portion of my stream known as John the Beloved. And so Mm -hmm. Yeshua and I actually have a relationship. Um, John the Beloved was his best friend. Yeah. Possibly boyfriend. (laughs) Is that um, the one that got beheaded? I don't know. John the Baptist? No, no, no. John the Baptist was a prophet who was Jesus's cousin, I think. Yes. John the Beloved was the one whom, like, it was his beloved. Well, he, uh, he did. He, he was the one who, who he entrusted his mother to after, his, like, during his crucifixion. I was going to say, the this beloved is John the, only, the disciple, right? The book? The apostle. As in yeah. the book of John? The, the book yes. of John was written by John. It's yep. the only... Okay. One of the four gospels written by an actual apostle, one mm-hmm. of the 12 apostles. He also wrote the book of Revelation and first John, second John and third John in the Bible as we understand it now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I don't have a past life as John the Beloved, but my soul is in that kind of stream. Yeah. So there's like a relationship there. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because a lot of people like will be like, I have a past life as Abraham Lincoln. Right. Like they might actually just be in the same soul stream. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, whether I like that. Like, it's, it's like whether they actually remember that past life or not, or are accessing that past life. And mm-hmm. then we also have genetic past lives where my soul hasn't experienced this, but my body, the genetics have, and it's still passed down through the genes. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of interesting stuff that gets really confusing on what words we use about psychic ability. 
Because when someone talks about a past life, okay, are you talking about a, a past life that your soul experienced, a past life that your physical body experiences in your genetics, a past life that you have access to because it's in your soul stream, but not in your personal experience. Mm. Oh, I love that clarification. <laughs> yeah, that's really helpful. It gets, yeah. It, and this is why developing psychic gifting can be really confusing to most people because there's so many different expressions that, you know, I, I've been intentionally practicing and honing with guidance, my mm -hmm. psychic ability for 10 years. And after 10 years, like you have to develop a PhD in this stuff. <laughs> like just to, just to get like basic concepts, like oneness, I had to like figure out boundaries and individuality and then come back to oneness and like, oh my God, we're all one, but I'm an individual. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> I heard the lyrics to a song yesterday by Fiona Apple and she described it perfectly where she literally, it, the song is called, I want you to love me. Mm -hmm. And and the verse literally says something like, I know that we're all one. And in the end, this doesn't matter. But right now, this is what my body wants. <laughs> like, oh. It's like, you know, it's like, I don't yeah, care. And we're all one. It's like, right now, I'm an individual and I'm me. And this is what me and this body wants. <laughs> yes, that is so perfect. <laughs> um and it's, it's funny, I laughed when you said they had to bring uh, Yeshua in to talk to you, because in my head, the thought was like, oh, they had to bring in the big guns. Like, <laughs> he wasn't, because I was like, oh, he wasn't just, he's not just one consciousness, he's a lot of them, or he's a bigger one, or something yeah. like <laughs> along the Now, line. there are a lot of people, they will never tell you that they're a Yeshuan, which is what I call them. There are a lot of people uh, incarnate on earth right now who actually do have a past life as Jesus. He has proliferated like rabbits on the planet right now. Interesting. Um, yeah. They, they typically will never boast about it. If anyone is like on TV being like, I'm reincarnation of Jesus. It ain't true. It's not Jesus. Jesus is terrified of getting crucified again. So they kind of all have this <laughs> fear of like, if I get found out, if they find me, they're going to kill me. Yeah. But like these, these people who I call Yeshuans because they're direct incarnation of Jesus like 100,000 of them right now, um, which my population is not much, but I've like met four of them in my life because, wow. I, because you know, my soul streams in John and the Beloved, so it's kind of like magnets coming together. Right. And I'm a little more perceptive, but they, you know, they can be human just like all of us, but they tend to all talk about unconditional love and like want to move towards peace and like, kind of teaching the same thing, but in modern times of what Jesus taught. Mm. Um, some of them are on the path, meaning self-aware and moving towards enlightenment and like helping the earth, like helping people develop. But some of them are not self-aware or have been so traumatized that they've kind of gone in the opposite direction <laughs> mm. or become very fundamentalist or something. But that, that was only one, only one Yeshuan that I've met was kind of like went the direction of, becoming a pastor and very fundamentalist. Wow. Um, the rest of them that I've met are all like have developing their psychic gifting, very open. They know that they're an incarnation of Yeshua. They know that Yeshua is like all over the place right now. Um, do they refer to him as Yeshua as well? Or do they refer to him as Jesus? Some Jesus, some Yeshua, some Joshua. Like it mm -hmm. just kind of depends. Joshua uh, being different than the jo Joshua book in the Bible, right? Right. Uh, well, yes, like okay. G the Yeshua is kind of, is where we get the name Joshua. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Like okay. instead of naming your child Jesus, you could name them Joshua, but it's the same name. Mm, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And so they, um, it, it depends on their like individual journey and perspective. Mm-hmm. When I okay. talk to Yeshua, he does not, you know, like, I think he wanted to go by Yeshua because there's too much negative association with the name with of Jesus. Jesus. Mm-hmm. I would, I see that. Yeah. Interesting. Really That's so cool. Not to like bring it so much, like so strong on to me as well. I just like, I feel such a strong connection with, with the spirit Yeshua as well. Like that's, I know I've had really strong experiences like a few weeks ago, actually experienced what it was like to be crucified as him. And mm-hmm. just like the love that that consciousness holds for humanity is insane. So it's, it's cool that yeah. you describe meeting reincarnations because that's something that's so interesting to me as well as like you, you obviously have a a strong relationship to that being, but like for you, is it right away? You kind of know someone is that or, or is it like, not right away. One example is I was with a group of friends. We're all kind of psychic-y and spiritual and weird. And, uh, (laughs) and um, he was just doing energy work on someone I didn't know this person at all. Uh, he was an older man and doing energy work. And I was just watching him. And I turned to my friend. I'm like, he's a Yeshua, isn't he? And she's like, how'd you know? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Just his mannerisms or like the energy, the way he's moving it. Like, I just know. And then he started talking about like, then he started like kind of, he was in the moment. He started talking about unconditional love. And, like all, <laughs> and I was like, yep. There he is. <laughs> But uh, apparently, like, she knew that he was. He had opened up to that about, about that with her. Mm. Um, but I perceived it because it was just so, it's just, like, if you're ever in a room at your grandma's house and, like, you think you're alone, but then, like, she silently walks in behind you and you just know she's there. Yeah. There is this feel, this energy signature when someone walks into the room that we know that they're there without any sound, without any sight, without any other physical senses picking that up, we just know they're there. Mm-hmm. That's the same feeling you get with non-physical entities. Mm. You, you get really tuned into that feeling of someone just stepping in. Yeah. Could, would you argue that that same feeling uh, can go towards like sensing loved ones that have passed? Yes. Okay. I'm not, so I'm not a medium. So the frequency <laughs> that I tune into is a lot higher frequency, what's known as a light worker. Okay. Um, it's a very high frequency. So it's easy for me to communicate with angels, which are extremely high frequency, um, and spirit guides and light beings. Um, people who have, are tuned into the, I don't want to ghost plane because that sounds weird, but, but like... <laughs> The plane that ghosts exist on, which is which is part of the astral plane or the dreamscape, mm-hmm. um, they, you're more able to, and that's what you would be a medium if that's okay. kind of the frequency you're tuning into. And so I don't very often perceive ghosts. I have before. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do, but very rarely. I know people who perceive them all the time. Kind of so like is there? Sense. So you have the high plane that you're on. And yeah. then kind of like the medium plane, pun intended, I guess. 
um, <laughs> for people that experience. Like That's <laughs> probably why they're called medium. I don't know. That's it, what I it actually too. is. It actually yeah. is it's yeah. because you're you're in between. In between, and that makes sense. So, is there a lower one? Yeah. Welcome to it. Hell. Earth. It's Earth. reality. Oh, we are okay. the we're because it also has to do with like density, right? On a yes. physics level, it's like yes. we literally condensed ourselves to be yes. physical beings. Yeah, absolutely. So would okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm like welcome to it, and you're like to hell. I'm like Ooh. girl, need a hug. Earth. <laughs> <Are you> okay? <laughs> she says hell, and I'm like ha ha ha. Earth. <laughs> yeah, both of you are like Same welcome thing. to it. That was like hell. <laughs> <laughs> Off I am. <laughs> I'm seeing a therapist, don't worry. <laughs> okay, but like, I was thinking, because you know, you talked about the light plane and then the kind of the medium one, but I was thinking maybe the lower one would be, but I guess maybe that's because of my preconceived well, notions of good, medium, and evil. And so no, I was like, so, well, so is don't equate light and dark with evil. So there's also a lower level, uh, which I call, which I would call shadow workers, mm. right? Here, here, here's my definitions. These are Hezekiah's definitions. This is not a consensus across the psychic community, but none of us can decide on words. <laughs> so okay. I have, I define as like light workers, super high frequency. Mm -hmm. We deal with making people feel better, bringing the world into enlightenment, making the world a better place, love and light, all that shit. And I say that because like, it was so hard for me to accept like joy and happiness. <laughs> Like, I'm like, okay, bring on the hard shit all day long. Like, sadness, let me bawl my eyes out. Let me cry in rage. But then my guides are like, how about you feel happy? And I'm like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not like, here for why, that. <laughs> yeah, why, why would I do that? And so, like, it's been very difficult for me to accept myself as a light worker. That might be, mm. before you move on to the next ones, that might be part of the thing of, like, you know, we talk about everyone's part of the one. You know, there, mm. if, if everything is everything, there isn't something that's opposite from it. Like if, if the universe is everything, mm -hmm. there isn't something opposite from it. So literally what I have heard people talk about is like the reason we condense ourselves to the lower densities and experience these other planes is so that we can understand what we are not. And that's why there is both light and darkness existent here and things like that. Yeah. And so you saying as a light worker, you were resisting the light. I was like, oh, well, your soul just wanted to know what it wasn't for a while. Yeah. <laughs> you were so resistant because you were playing in the what am I not? I'm playing me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that gets into the concept of contrast. Mm -hmm. So usually if someone tells me their childhood, uh, then you usually you can find out what their purpose is and like who they truly are. We come into the opposite of what we need and who we are. You cannot understand light without first understanding darkness. And so you have to, and this is why some people like might've had great parents, but childhood was very traumatic for them mm. because it was incompatible parents. So this is why I don't like to get mm. onto like, oh, you've experienced trauma because your parents are horrible people. No, it could just be you've experienced trauma because your parents unintentionally traumatized you because they were unable to give you what you specifically and uniquely needed. Mm. I just want to put a caveat out there that some parents do suck. <laughs> yes. Yeah, as we've talked about before. Allie is saying this as the disgruntled children's hospital nurse who sees the, abuse as, victims regularly. Yep, I see abuse uh, victims all the time. So I would have loved Not in reference you. to my parents. I guess I should specify that. My parents are wonderful, wonderful, basic people. Yeah. <laughs> but I, my... Yeah, we're not going to go into that, but I, I will say that there's been a lot of, 
journey work on my part due to my parents who, you know, thought that they were doing the most loving thing. And I, it's taken me a while to give them credit for that because I, you know, from my perspective, I was very physically, emotionally, and mentally abused mm -hmm. and even spiritually abused, which is also like super sensitive, super open light being and experience super closeness, super harshness. Like you see how it's opposite of everything that I needed and everything that I was so that I could mm -hmm. understand the opposite mm -hmm. of who I am so I can understand who I am. Yeah. But that also means that, you know, uh, my mother just wanted me to be like her happy golden child. Mm -hmm. Like, so I put on a front of, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm the happiest child ever while I'm being abused. Yeah. And many kids so, do. Yeah. And that's why, you know, happiness is actually like joy is actually one of my core traits, but it's one that I have steered clear of because I was forced into it as a child, but I also needed to understand the contrast of true joy. Mm, I love that explanation. Thank you well, for that. What, if you were to, what would you explain the contrast of true joy as if you were to put it in a word? Well, for like, me, so contrast can be different from person to person. Mm -hmm. Contrary to popular belief, the opposite of love is not hate. It can actually be very different for different people. I would mm -hmm. believe that. For some people, it's apathy. Yeah. Um, I was going to say some, fear could be one. For some people, it's fear. For some people, it is hatred. Mm -hmm. For some people, it is... Um, Damn, my brain just went blank. <laughs> Other you, like, stuff. Like indifference? Guilt, perhaps. Yeah, apathy, guilt, indifference, shame is a big one. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, shame. But for some people, it could be a false love. It's mm. opposite. Mm. That's where I was going with this. So for me, my opposite of joy is false joy. It's a facade. Mm. Okay. And it's, it's a kind of a brainwashing version of facade that I convince myself I'm happy Ah, uh, because so that's the only way for involved. me to stay safe. Yeah. Yeah. So then you might get involved with some stuff that you truly don't necessarily want, Depends but because you've put this facade Absolutely. on. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yep. Well, and yeah. I also think it's, it's a defense mechanism to convince yourself that if you're happy long enough, that maybe you'll actually become happy. Yeah. Fake it till you make it, but yeah. it's more like fake it until you have a psychotic break. Yeah. <laughs> Fake it till you break it. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. First first merch. We'll be selling it soon. Yeah. God. It. Terrifying. So, I haven't uh, said much, but what I have said has been straight dinger is I'm the Allison of this episode. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so I kinda wanna run through these real quick because like once you get me on a train, I can't get off of the train. Yes, let's do it. Um, no, we wanna hear, please. So okay. One concept I need to get across is when I talk about higher frequency and lower frequency, it is not better or worse. Okay. Yep. It is just like a higher temperature or a lower temperature and which temperature do you prefer? If I walk into a house and it's 65 degrees, um, my, my dad could be like burning hot and I'm freezing cold. It's the same mm -hmm. temperature, but we're experiencing it in a different way. Mm, okay. So higher and lower frequencies are not good or bad, but there is a preferential range for people. Mm. So my preferential range is higher. It's taken me a while to accept that about myself, but that's where I am. Mm -hmm. uh, Allie, it sounds like your preferential range might be in that medium range, which is what we call a, a medium. Someone I don't know. Who, my mom, yes. Someone who's kind yes. of one foot, one foot, well, it, 
mediums of all things are super genetic. It I know, and you, you've said that about the Baldwin family. <laughs> yeah. I think you have said that they're like... Yeah, there's a lot of witches in that family. Um, <laughs> that's always mom's side. <laughs> yes, sorry. Exactly. It does, it does run through your family, yes. Um, I, Eric's like one of the... It, never mind, we won't get into Eric. Uh, Allison, <laughs> you can cut that out. But what I was going to say is like, he, he kind of got different gifting from both sides, but a lot of his comes from the Baldwin side, like his mom's side. And well, I think Eric and my aunt Terrier are a lot alike. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what I've always thought. I was oh, like, oh, no. Yeah. Like no, Eric looks like his dad and is in, and acts like his mom. Whereas Kevin, his brother, well, for those of you listening, looks like his mom and acts like his dad. Mm. That seems cousins. to be a common theme with kids, I've noticed. Like, you might inherit more of the physical traits of one, but the personality or gift traits of the other. Yeah, I picked up my mother's physical traits and my father's mental traits. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I think I'm just a carbon footprint of my mother's. <laughs> you, look a lot, you look a lot like your mom, but you have some tendencies like your dad. Like, I don't know, just like the, like the getting spe like the spe specificities, like you getting really granular and wanting to know every detail about things. That's totally your dad. Yeah, that's a dad thing for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ali had a couple really cool questions on here on the oh, list. Yeah. If you still have it, Ali, I like, I really liked number seven and eight. If you want to. Oh, oh Yeah. May I, though, before we do, yes. I, you got oh, yeah, me on a train and I need to finish that train. Finish your train. Yes. Yes, if sorry. I don't finish that train, I'm going to be like waking up in the middle of the night. <laughs> do oh, it. Worries, do it, do it. All right, so Lightworker, Medium, then, uh, then we have like physical reality, which I would call body workers. So these are people who do like acupuncture, massage therapy, like mm -hmm. in energy work. They work with the body. Yeshua was a body worker. That's why he's known for healing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. they, these are people who just like are tuned into the physical body and able to bring it to a state of healing in, in a myriad of different ways. What about like Reiki? Reiki is kind of like me, usually light workers are doing Reiki. Okay. So when I talk it's about kind a of body, like a physical. Yeah. When I talk about a body worker, they're going to want to touch you. Like okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they might Got be doing go. energy work, but it's alongside like pulling on your it's legs. It's like physical like shaking the energy, energy work, yeah. not like aura. It's very physical. Okay. Yeah. Understood. And, w and when I've actually like let Jesus use my body to help someone, mm -hmm. he immediately gets, I, I sweat every time he gets out of my body because he immediately is like working on their body and pulling on their legs and shaking out their arms and like massaging this and, and like holding their head and like doing all this and like, I'm getting a, a workout. <laughs> That's so crazy. And, yeah. um, and then he leaves my body and I'm all sweaty and like had a good workout. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> um, but so that's a body worker. And then there's shadow workers. Shadow workers are people who are going to do the soul journeying. They're going to take you into your deep, dark shit. Mm -hmm. uh, these are, these people usually become shamans or like journey workers who will utilize medicines and psychedelics and things like that or just, you know, bring you to states of consciousness into uh, hypnosis or meditation to get really deep into your psyche and like explore those dark, hard to go to places within ourselves where all of our trauma is stored. Mm. And these are the people who are like bringing a little candle into the darkest depths of who we are mm. and helping like lead us by the hand back to the light. 
And so those are shadow workers or, or dark workers. I love those clarifications. And yeah, that's really helpful. Like describing it as frequency too. It literally is, again, like I, my brain likes to go to science for a lot of stuff when it can, just because I think, I don't know, we run on a world that wants proof for things. So there we go. And, um, you know, when I described it on a sense of physics, you're talking about the different densities. It's just, it's literally just like light is much less dense. Photons are so light compared to what we are. We're atoms right now. Mm -hmm. And um, so talking about you going, describing the different types of workers, it literally is just who is physically like vibrating on the spectrum mm -hmm. at this level. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, who's the radio waves and who are the microwaves? It doesn't matter. Yeah. They're just two different waves. Yep. Yeah. Got infrared, gamma, like. <laughs> we got them all. And we can't see any of them, which is why no one thinks they're real. <laughs> well, and because it differs from person to person. You can have two psychics in the room who are completely different mm -hmm. in how they perceive things. But that's the thing is psychic ability is unique to the person who has it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's yeah that's what i i wanted i wanted to have you on to because you've explained that to me before uh, i don't know if you remember we were at aunt Jana's house i think um and we had this really long conversation that really stuck with me and there's just so many stigmas out there about what a psychic is and i was like no i want kaya to come on and say like hey this is what it actually is this is what i experience this is what you might experience you know i that's why i'm so glad that you're on and clarifying a lot of this and if i'm honest with you I don't think I'm quite as in tune to my spiritual side as y'all are because there will be whole times where you guys are just hitting it off and I have no idea what you're talking about. And that's great. I don't think you just kind of do the glaze over like, ah. yeah, I was going to say, I don't think it's you not being attuned to your spiritual side. Like I'm still very new at learning all of this shit. Like again, like m my boyfriend is the one who did a lot of like the not Christian research and verbiage understanding of things. Cause mm -hmm he didn't come from the church. So when he discovered spirituality, he just dug into all of the religions and learned like all of the perspectives and so overwhelming. I know. And so, and he actually has the least experience with Christianity. So me coming from that and learning all of the shit he knows about like Buddhism and Hinduism and meditation and all these things. That's largely why I'm able to keep up with Kaya right now. <laughs> so like me having words for this stuff is also new for me. And it doesn't mean that you are less psychically attuned or spiritually like connected it just means you don't have the words for the things yet but yeah you yeah it's Under, just an yeah. issue it's just an issue of definitions because yeah. it's hard to talk about this stuff that we all have unique experiences of psychic ability and so we have different verbiage or terminology that none of us can agree on because like <laughs> you know it's like hurting cats and um and hurting. on top of that on, Sorry, I was like, I was like, why are you hurting a cat? Herd, H E R D. You're on from you're from Texas, Allie. You yeah. get it. They hurt. I do, but I thought he meant hurting. I like, know. No, no. And then on top of that, like Allison and I both have similar backgrounds, and so that we there's a lot of definitions yes. and language that are similar. On top of that, she has empathy, and I would guess also a light worker. Sorry about it. I know. Yeah. No, I was curious if you were going to say anything. Cause when you were describing the different things, I was like, well, I have like my personal training degree, but like, no, no, no. But yeah, no, as soon as you described light worker, I was like, yeah, the physical, the beings that I see are always angels. Like I've rarely seen mm -hmm. anything that was lower density than that. And we, we did yeah. like a um, ghost episode where we talked about our own personal ghost experiences and Allison talks about how she's always seen angels and has like a guardian angel that follows her around and, yeah. yeah. 
it was that's just so different from my experience Allie do you smell things often (laughs) um (laughs) I have a more sensitive smell than other people I feel like I'm like do you sometimes smell things that other people don't smell at all yes okay I'm gonna tell you right now that's part of your psychic gifting great i'm laughing i'm laughing because ali don't you talk about didn't you say that on your on the on the ghosts podcast that like your one main experience is you and your mom like smell stuff that you're like your grandpa used to like smell a certain way or feel a certain way like you feel him walk into the room all the time right oh i feel yeah that's i feel that's like i don't have a lot of like psychic quote experience uh, i think probably just because i have been shut off to it just because i don't know how to open myself up to it no but you I, have the same problem that eric had that it's so normal to you mm-hmm. you don't realize it's psychic and that other people don't experience that really yeah <laughs> i want to hear feel, what it feels saying. more physical to you like like a smell like mm-hmm. you guys can't smell that oh you're so sensitive no you're smelling something that's not physically present it's so funny i just got goosebumps thinking about that because there were a couple days ago where i walked in the house and i was like oh my god what fucking smells like i came in i smelled i took out the trash i cleaned the cat box i put baking soda down the sink i was like what the fuck smells at this house Mm -hmm. and cody's like Allie, there's nothing here (laughs) he's like nothing smells so what (laughs) what happens with psychic gifting it's not just extrasensory it's like super sensory you're you have a you have Mm -hmm. a a sense that is so finely tuned that it's able to perceive even non-physical reality. Mm. And, and like, what is non-physical really? Like, <laughs> what is physical? Is really? light, is yeah. light physical? Like, you know, people oftentimes hear ringing in their ears when angels are talking mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It, it's just like, that's, that's what we, like our, our brains can actually perceive that. And so we get this ringing in our ears and like, it's always specific. It's always like coming in, from the top of my left ear and in the middle of my right ear. Mm. And so they're saying that's angels. That's angels. Oftentimes if it's, if it's coming in specifically, like you can tell like upper, middle, lower part of the ear. Yes. Yes. That's an angel. That's oh my sorry, I have goosebumps because <laughs> lately what's been you happening. You just realized you're psychic. Yes. <laughs> no, lately what's been happening at work is cause I constantly have ringing in my ears, going to concerts without wearing uh mm-hmm. earplugs. Thanks. Uh, myself being 16 dumb but lately at work I'll be charting or I'll be doing something and the pitch in my ear will change and like I'll hear it coming from different sounds that I don't understand and I got to a point where one night because I I just knew I just knew like a couple nights ago something weird happened and I was like that's that so-and-so that died in that room I know he's here Mm -hmm. and they were like shut up Allie that's so freaky and I was like no he's here he means good good things he's just here he's thinking about us um but I went into the med room and it, cause it kept going off and I literally looked up the ceiling and I was like, stop fucking with me. And then it stopped. <laughs> oh my yeah, God. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta lay it on the wall. <laughs> well, cause you know, I, I always sense, which I'm, you guys talk about being an empath and like being like a sponge kind of absorbing around me. I don't experience yeah. as much, but I am so sensitive to yeah. like, other I don't it's hard to explain like your specific part of the journey is going to be in accepting seeing hearing or smelling things that quote-unquote aren't there and not thinking you're crazy which is hilarious to me because I constantly think you totally call your she calls herself crazy all the time that's your psychic block by the way though I can tell you right now that's what's blocking your psychic abilities is Mm. the fear of going crazy 
But if you're hearing things that aren't like aren't physically present, seeing things that aren't physically present, like that is literally the definition of hallucination and craziness. Well, that's so, just it. Accepting, that's just it. accepting psychic ability is almost a way of like I accept my crazy. Um, wow. So for you, that's where your all your psychic blocks are is in a fear of being crazy, or specifically a fear of family and friends thinking you're crazy. He just mm. got you. <laughs> This is why talking with Kai always makes my head hurt. <laughs> it makes me real, realize things about myself that I, I didn't know, um, oh, which I think could eventually boil down to the fact that I care very deeply what other people think of me. Yeah. Um, don't worry. Is... You're, you're actually, you don't need to worry about it because when I look down your path, you're not even supposed to be getting into spirituality until your 40s. And so you're early. Well, at least I make it to my 40s. <laughs> oh, no, you, girl, you, you need to have a retirement plan. Uh, <laughs> man. You, you, take after, you take after your grandmother. I take after, well, I was freaking out a little bit about it because um, gr my grandma's my only, only living grandparent on both me and Cody's sides. Mm -hmm. And so our kids if my grandma makes, I don't know, we're probably not yeah. going to have kids anytime soon, but like, you know, I just feel like the genes aren't there. My mom freaked me out. She was like, yeah, my mom died when she was 57. That's only four years away from me. It was like, oh my gosh. Shut up, whore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrifying. Yeah, no, she's, I think, no, I think no. parents that have that experience though, because my, I mean, my dad's dad, my grandfather died when he was 33, like of a, you know, a brain hemorrhoid that no one or like hemorrhoid, not a hemorrhoid, 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 not, a hemorrhoid not a hemorrhoid i was talking about hemorrhoids <laughs> earlier it was a hemorrhage um lol science um he died of a hemorrhoid in his brain oh it was God. very painful um that's <laughs> really sad um, i'm sorry i shouldn't be laughing but no that's actually hilarious awesome. um but anyway like my dad now i can tell has that in his head of like shit i'm 20 years older than my dad ever made it so that's like a constant fear for him so mm -hmm. i think more than anything that's probably your mom just vocalizing her own fear understanding what her mom went through but that's not well in our parents generation is the first one to have the medicine that we have to even mm -hmm. live this long yeah to the point that like you know we're living way too long now <laughs> yes. and as a nurse i can concur that <laughs> yeah and so like imagine now that when we we need to save up for retirement to make it to like 90 or 120 because <laughs> medicine's just going to keep getting stronger and like i don't i want to die beautiful and <laughs> You know, I just want to be like a silver fox and like go out and like everyone throw themselves on my grave weeping. <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to live to 120. Mm -hmm. And unless I like figure out how to de-age, which is possible with consciousness, but also we have collective consciousness. So other people's idea of reality affects our reality as well. Mm -hmm. That's why, mm -hmm. that's why nobody can fly. <laughs> so that's, I love wait, that. How? So because collective consciousness. <laughs> okay, so let's say that you are a firm believer that humans can fly. Okay. To the point that you literally have no blockages that could prevent your consciousness from raising your body into the air and floating. But mm. everyone else on Earth does. Almost everyone else on Earth has a problem with it, and this is a collective reality. It is a shared dream. So what they believe about reality also affects reality. So this actually like directly 
relates to an article that I sent Allie earlier today. I've been- I haven't the, read it yet. Yeah, it's okay. In the era of COVID, the, I've, we've seen this weird split in the quote unquote spiritual community of some people going super far off the deep end and being like, you know, pandemic and like going into like the the conspiracy theory wormhole of all that stuff and so basically this article that i sent ali was a guy who's very deep in the spiritual community has a large brand in it but he talks about like the different things in um our current spirituality beliefs and practices that are causing that and one of the things he talks about is the idea of law of attraction and how some people, when they quote unquote, become enlightened or start going down this type of path, they get so into the idea of manifestation and like you control your reality and all this stuff that they suddenly believe that if they just say COVID isn't real, then in their world, it isn't real. <laughs> but that's not the case. It's we are all here, all having manifestational thoughts okay. and so because all of that, us are I'm here understanding yeah. a lot better yeah okay. because yeah. all of us are here like i might truly in my head believe that coronavirus doesn't exist but like in the ultimate reality of it other does. people do it exists <laughs> and also because science has proven it exists right science. so like, yeah. so like which also makes more people believe that it exists yeah exactly <laughs> but, so but but this can also be used in the positive like mm -hmm. collective group group consciousness and group healing group think right this is kind of what religions are trying to do they're trying to like make their reality happen like their religion is fetch and they're trying to make it happen <laughs> um but this is an example of group think and using our, our collective consciousness so one time i was around a whole bunch of spiritual people mm -hmm. and we were talking and i just i remember asking a question um, this is when I was like first starting to like reopen my abilities and I was kind of feeling my empathy come in and kind of feeling things again. And, and I was like ready to like drop, you know, that. And I asked like, Hey, you know, when I was younger, I used to feel everything. And now I like, feel like I don't feel anything. You know, I feel like I've gone from being able to see to being blind. And mm -hmm. I, I want that back now that I know that I have guidance and help and everything. And one of the, the ladies there, she was so sweet. And she was just like, will you just let us love you? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's weird. Like, right. ew. Like, love, ew. <laughs> <laughs> and, and another person there who was psychic, very psychic, he was like, yeah, there's actually this, like, invisible wall. If you reach your aura out just a little bit, you'll be able to feel it. And I was like, what? And I was like, okay, hold on. Let me, like, use my intention and, like, kind of feel out. And I could feel it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have a wall. I didn't even realize that I had a wall. And, and the lady was like, yeah, you have a wall. You don't let love in. You don't let anyone like in. That's why your empathy is not working. You're not, oh letting, any, any, you're not letting anything in, yeah. including love. So she was like, so can we do, we have your permission to just <laughs> love you and focus that energy on you. And I was like, okay. So there's like 20 people around me. 20 or 20 or 30 it like started out smaller and then it grew as it was happening and for 10 minutes everyone just intently focused their love on me and there was this guy named sage um who was like holding my hands and we were making direct eye contact and all of a sudden my body like after like five minutes my body starts to heat up 
And I'm wondering, like, I'm in my head and I'm all like, oh my God, am I embarrassed? Like, why is my body heating up? Like, what's happening? <laughs> what's happening to me? <laughs> and then, like, I start feeling this just intense rage come into me. And I'm like, I'm holding a straight face. Like, I can hold, I'm very, I'm a very expressive person, but at this time in my life, I can hold a straight face. Like, nobody, poker face. Nobody knows <laughs> what's going on in my internal world. And Sage was just looking at me. He's like, I can feel the rage. I'm like, yeah, it's there. He's like, let it out scream and i and i was just like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i just kept feeling it and feeling it and feeling it until it was so overwhelming and i just it was just like a werewolf in the night just Rawr! and like he screamed with me and like several people screamed and we all like i just felt this like huge release and this break in me and then all of a sudden i started going into what i can only describe as this a seizure that felt good my whole body sort of tremoring, shaking uncontrollably and like vibrating like throughout my whole body to the point that they had to lie me down and I'm shaking and tremoring. And, and I cannot describe to you how good this felt, even though it's like, I'm having a seizure right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, and as they laid, laid me down and like everything kind of started washing over me and everything kind of started like dissipating and you kind of feel the energy kind of dissipate and move and, become softer um their intention felt this of that wall and so we can use collective consciousness if we all share the same intention mm -hmm. to help heal each other uh, it, it can be used by you know religion or governments or whatever to try to create control or you know keep people from pleasure or whatever but it can also be used for healing i really like the biblical explanation of that it's a a verse that says whenever two or more are gathered in my presence there am i also yeah and uh, it's a really yeah. it's just a really cool way of like putting putting into words like oh two one plus one equals more than two when we're coming yeah. together with you know it's mm -hmm. like our 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 individual consciousness or power mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it is amplified by more than just one plus one equals two. Yeah. The fun part about this is that it's actually exponential. Mm. So if you have two people, it's having, if you have three people, it's like having 27 people. Is that because of, and this could be totally unrelated, but is that because of the like, uh, what'd you call them? The ocean, the, the streams and the, uh, so it's more take, so take that water, take that stream okay. of consciousness, and then like pull in more of it and push it through your body like a jet. That's intention. Okay. Intention is when we focus our energy. Now, mm -hmm. capacity but that, could that could come from the past. Like multiple you could draw the energy from multiple. Yeah. Okay. So okay. so someone like Yeshua has being outside pushing their energy through his physical body so there's two concepts here there's capacity how much soul energy am i able to embody okay bring into my physical body okay. which sometimes most of the time requires things like veganism and all this other stuff that people do in like there's a reason that it coincides with spiritual practice because it gives mm. your body more capacity for spiritual energy for spirit for consciousness to flow through your body and then there's intention, which is the focus, able to bring 
all of that rushing water through your body, focus it into a stream like a jet or a laser. Dense mm-hmm. to where it can become reality. So when a lot of people are all putting their focus on one thing together, both the capacity and the, the intention and from different perspectives and different angles. I see. Okay. I really like that description. Yeah, yeah that's helpful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I really would love to see a world where instead of churches, where communities could come together and all focus on the same thing together. Just that's, to like come together and focus together. It's interesting that you bring that up because uh, I... I'm not particularly religious at this moment in time, but I've dabbled in a lot of Christianity. I think partially due to extrinsic factors of like people being like, oh, you should go to church, you should do this, why don't you believe in God, stuff like that. And then also like my own kind of experiences with a higher being. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to go to a, a non-denominational church in downtown Phoenix that was like a lot of younger, like it was basically all college students. Um, and we used to have once a month, we used to have prayer nights where you would come and like you would pray on, like you would focus yeah. 10 minutes of your energy yeah. holding hands with another person and just yeah. popcorning prayers for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And like you focused on that. And I felt it's, it's so interesting that, cause like that's, those are the experiences you where I it. felt the most like yeah. in touch. And I would always leave feeling like really cleansed and really good and being like, yeah. wow. It's totally. another tapping into something that every single religion claims is only within their religion. But the truth of the matter is it is part of consciousness and human experience. Mm-hmm. It's part and, of the oneness. And I would like to see a church or gathering or coven or whatever you want to call it, actually explore that and, and explore it like a science to try to understand what's the best way to make this work. You know, so someone can, there could be a, a prayer circle or an intention circle but it's like everybody gets a turn mm. for like you know at least 10 minutes or something like that right and whatever it is that you need if you're like look rent's tight money's hard i need help with finances and everyone just puts their focus and in- attention on that or someone mm. comes and says i i my back is always hurting and I don't know what's going on. And everyone puts their attention on like a healthy back, a a strong back, one that like doesn't hurt and like feels good. Like everybody with, with no judgment, you know, someone, cause you can't go forward in church and be like, you know, my sex life just sucks and I don't have a partner and I really (laughs) need sexual expression and fulfillment. You cannot go into a common Christian church with that request. Mm -hmm. But sex is so important to our, our mental and emotional well being and our physical well being. Uh, it is a need. It's and, um, and, and so I'd like there to be like no judgment. And if somebody doesn't want to put their intention there, they can just politely step back mm-hmm. and let everyone else put their intention on it. And they but can still put their intention like on helping someone else, right? Like if I don't come to the table with one that I want to present, but I can still be there to put my intention on everyone else's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kind of paying it forward and, and having that gratitude because the truth is it's co-healing. You cannot put your intention on helping someone else with their finances without it benefiting you. You cannot put your intention on help healing someone else's body without it healing you. The mm. energy is flowing through you. You're calling mm-hmm. in that particular, you know, color of the ocean to flow through your body. It will 
is sometimes kick up stuff, which is mm -hmm. why I say there should be a warning label on enlightenment. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because if you're struggling with finances and you pull through the energy of abundance through your body, it will kick up anything out of alignment with abundance. Mm. So whatever beliefs are there, whatever feelings are there, that whatever fears are there, whatever trauma is there, it's going to come to the surface and you're going to become consciously aware of it. Because that's the thing you need to address in order for you to achieve the thing you're trying to manifest. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. Which is why we all need each other. Like the biggest thing that I've learned in my spiritual journey is not that like I need this particular person to teach me. I need this particular guide to be present with me. I need... No, what I've learned in my spiritual journey is that we are all guides to one another. Mm. Everyone on the planet can be a guide to me and to help me on my journey. And as an interdependent species, because humans are an interdependent species mm -hmm. that are moving towards becoming a super organism, living as if we are once one animal mm -hmm. in, in multiple, like almost like an ant hive, right? Like. <laughs> but not like that because we're all unique and individual, but we all consider each other parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we're able to figure out anything. We're able to figure out climate change. We're able to figure out homelessness. We're able to figure out childhood starvation. We're able to figure out all this stuff because we all put our intention together on it because we all treat each other as parts of ourselves. Mm. That's the whole like point of spiritual. Like, path. If your path is leading you to become an asshole like Christianity did to me, that's not your journey. <laughs> your spiritual path is making you more compassionate, kind, but not a false kindness, a false compassion, like truly actually feeling that way, then you're on the right spiritual path. But for some of us, some of us have to go through phases of selfishness. We have to go through phases of anger. We have to go through phases that we're not allowed so that we can actually get through it and develop it and work it out to come back into balance. And so we all need to be given the allowance and the space to go through that. For example, when I first started de like developing boundaries, it was through anger. My anger had been suppressed my whole life. I had to get okay with being angry. And luckily I had people around me who welcomed my anger and didn't try to shut me down for it because when when you pull abundance through your body you pull healing through your body you pull whatever through your body and it kicks up whatever is in there that's preventing it that's where self-acceptance comes in that's where non-judgment comes in that's where love and kindness to self come into play so those are foundational in any spiritual journey and, it, and if we don't have that for ourselves, we can ask for someone else to give it on our behalf. It still works. Could you not have it yourself? Yes, okay. that, that, that's the only way towards healing. Um, uh, especially loneliness. Loneliness is one of those feelings that is a huge issue right now on the planet and has been. What people don't realize is that you can be around a whole bunch of people and still feel lonely. Mm -hmm. More people is not the cure to loneliness. Do you know what the cure to loneliness is? Connection. Being yeah. okay with yourself. Yeah. Having two people 
who bring their loneliness together and allow each other to be lonely together. That's the only way to cure loneliness. We have to be willing to feel it together, not to try to get away from it. Mm. And so there are things like that, that the key out of it is like so removed from what we would like. But if you're lonely, why don't you hang out with people? Because those people aren't allowing you to be lonely with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you have people who will let you be lonely with them and anyone listening to this, who does not have a social safety net, this is where spiritual connection comes in because it's so it's super hard. And I've been here and a lot of us have been here where we do not have family that we can bring this to. We do not have friends. We can bring this to, we are all alone. You are never alone. There are spiritual guides. Call out to Athena, call out to Gaia, call out to Mary Magdalene. Like, I don't care who you call out to call out to someone to bring that and give that to you. Because even if we can only receive it energetically, and I know that it is crumbs when you need a buffet, but that is how it starts. You start getting it into your system. Start getting a, a, anyone in the universe who's willing to gift that to us so that we can kind of start to develop the blueprint in our neural pathways to even be able to receive it. Like, mm -hmm. how am I supposed to receive love if I've never, I've never had that? growing up in an abusive home. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is. The only way I can do it is for a, a being outside of myself to just start showing it to me. And like, and that's all I can take in is like a straw full. But for some of us, we're in rehabilitation. You would not expect someone whose legs are atrophied to run a marathon. It, so if, whether it's abundance, whether it's love, whether it's joy, whatever it is that we desperately need and want, but we are so far removed from that we feel atrophied. We just need that little bit to start moving us on the path that every day is just a little bit better than the day before until finally one day we are running and we look back and go, wow, how did I get here? How did hmm. I get this far? Um, but the early stages, suck <laughs> because the only way that we're even getting that into our system is from a non-physical being who is kind enough to to give that to us and for those of you out there who have difficulty receiving freely know this guides only give because it benefits them too we are all guides to each other and that includes non-physical beings when they help us, it is because it is also teaching and helping them. Just like uh, the saying, like, the teacher is the student. Mm -hmm. Like, you actually learn more from teaching. It's, it's the same for them, too. If they're teaching That's us, it's because they're learning. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we can receive that without feeling like we're taking in some way. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's a really awesome yeah, message. I got, a, I got a little bit on my like soapbox there. No, but like, it no feels it's like it's great. So it's important to say. Good soapbox. And I think we can probably wrap up fairly soon. I mm -hmm. was curious um, if you're okay with going into, de into detail on it a little bit. Um, 
do you have like we were talking before the podcast you always keep your space very clean Mm -hmm. so do you have like certain practices that you do to recharge yourself and to like cleanse (laughs) after working with someone else or interacting with someone who maybe was draining or energetically weird in some way like what are are those things you do to take care of yourself okay so these are the things that again are unique to each person Mm -hmm. like what works for me relative to recharging is like obviously the basics like sleeping and eating and drinking water Mm -hmm. but also i have to like not have any blue light after sunset Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it sounds weird but like it is for me they not have any blue light at all um but relative to like being around people or working with people and kind of feeling that draining first of all the draining comes because i'm trying to use my personal energy Remember how I said like a, like a stream coming through your body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I'm just the conduit, I'm just bringing that energy in and letting it flow through my body. I don't get drained. But mm-hmm. when, when I have my own beliefs that are getting in the way or my own like stuff getting in the way, mm-hmm. it can be very draining because it kind of drags on that. Okay. Or if I'm trying to use my own personal energy. It's going to be very draining. Yeah. Uh, empaths have this problem a lot because they don't, we don't, as empaths, especially early in the journey, we're not receiving as much energy as we're outputting because mm-hmm. it, if someone is hurting, we cannot help but send them healing energy. Yeah. Because we're hurting. Our body interprets that as we're in pain and mm-hmm. I'm going to send healing that way. So we start getting really drained. It's extremely important for empaths to develop boundaries. It's also extremely important for them to get like a higher capacity of energy that they can bring into their body Mm. um, to replenish that. So for me, if I'm feeling drained, I, I first like open myself up. I ask my guides, pour energy on me, like (laughs) lends me. I need it. (laughs) Yeah. If I feel like I was working with something really deep and I don't want to say dark, but dark <laughs> or heavy maybe uh no because sometimes i deal with like people who have thought forms that are very demonic in nature but mm. it's because they believe it to be a demon yeah. oftentimes it actually turns out to be an inner child wearing the mask of a demon ah that's interesting um, but it can still be very like whoa you know then i i get out the white sage and i i sage my home yeah i do the the smudging mm-hmm. trying not to set off the alarm um, I also, you know, have crystals all over my home. Like, so does Allison. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I was going to say sage and crystals all over. <laughs> yeah. And I will say like a recommendation for y'all specifically, Allison, it, because you're an empath and for any empath, I would highly, highly, highly recommend fluorite. Fluorite is a I green and purple. That's one of my favorite ones. Okay, good. Fluorite is a green and purple crystal. It is an auric barrier. It helps with boundaries. It helps with definition between your stuff and my stuff. It mm. helps with definition between who I am and who you are. Warning, if you wear it 24-7, people might start to think you're a sociopath. Because <laughs> <People are already laughs> you'll just... Awesome, so it's fine. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, oh, that's not my shit. I'm not dealing with it. Bye. Exactly, exactly. But it's a, it's a good... Like, it's a good tool for empaths to start developing some boundaries, start learning how to turn it on and off. And just with the intention 
of holding onto a fluorite means I'm turning it off and letting go of the fluorite means I'm turning it on. Mm-hmm. Starts training their energy field to turn it on and off at will. That's cool. I appreciate that recommendation. Mm-hmm. Allie, yeah. Allie, for you, selenite. Yes. Selenite, <laughs> selenite is a white, like salt crystal. So do not put water on it. It will. I have it. I yeah, have it on my perfect. neck. Selenite and kyanite. Nice. Oh, damn. The kyanite's going to make your, if you're getting overwhelmed by psychic stuff, you need to take the kyanite off. I know. I don't wear this very often. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But Allie, selenite is good for if, if a person is a medium and they're tuned into that kind of psychic flame, it's good to just kind of create a nice little fog that kind of pushes a little bit of that away. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you set it to like only allow in like positive or love or like whatever, it can be a nice little Patronus charm. <laughs> That's a good explanation. I'm yeah. glad you say that because I think with being like because i am in tune to some things i also feel like bad energies can kind of come in mediums are are susceptible to both the positive and the negative because they're meant to be a bridge Mm. so you you are able and have the capacity for both light and dark good and evil as we understand it angels and demons like and that can and if you begin to open up your psychic gifting for a medium it can be extremely terrifying I think that's probably another reason because I can't even sleep alone without seeing shit. Yeah, so selenite, get you put it all around your house, create a grid. You like we used to put it in every corner. I just have one over my front door now Mm. and hiding somewhere else. I forget. Oh, in my bathroom Mm -hmm. Uh, because it's my clean space. Mm -hmm. So um, crystals are a good way to like cleanse your home. Sage is a good way to cleanse. it really is just intention though. There have been people that like crystals don't work for them. Like nothing works for them. And I'm just like, Oh, well it's because you're actually really close to nature. You need to go hug a tree and ask it to take everything out of you. That's not yours. <laughs> Allison mm-hmm. always talks about going outside and just touching the ground. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, go touch the ground. But it, it, <laughs> but it works. Like, especially for people who are really closely related to nature, they actually need nature to recharge. So, you I'm have to just saying try... I crave sunlight lately. Yeah. 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 Like I'll so be like, oh shoot, I haven't gone out. Things. Yeah. Exactly. So you got to try different things. Try crystals, but also be there need to be warning labels on crystals too. <laughs> um, <laughs> like this crystal will help you. This is a Herkimer diamond. This crystal will help you get in touch with the higher beings, but it will also allow you to channel meaning that another being can take over your body with your permission and, do whatever it wants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, maybe I'm not going to put that next to my bed. Maybe, yeah. Maybe when I'm asleep, I shouldn't have this one astral projecting me wherever. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <Yeah. laughs> so, like, when I need to recharge, the biggest thing is, first and foremost, coming back to my boundaries, coming back to my needs, my desires, my wants, and my preferences, and asking for help from my guides or opening up to my family or close friends about what I'm going through. Um, not trying to be an island unto myself. And when I don't have that available, opening up to my guides because that is they are always available. Mm-hmm. So even if we can't get it in tangible life yet, we can get it energetically and start getting that blueprint in our system. So if you want to, you know, talk to a guide or find a guide, 
mm-hmm. that you align with. Like you talk to Yeshua and there are other ones that you've known your yeah, whole but life. He's, he's not my main guide. The, yeah, main, main... the main guides I talk to are Athena and Apollo. Most of my guides present themselves as Greek gods because there's no negative association with the Greek gods. And as a child, I was fascinated by Greek mythology. I was too. That's hilarious. I just, oh, I just got the Edith Hamilton mythology as an audiobook. They made us read it in oh high school. Oh my god, and I'm it's like, so good. Yeah, I, know, I read it in high school for fun. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna, I know, I was like, I'm gonna reread this as an audiobook. It's <laughs> so good. Yeah, I've always, yeah, Greeks. It started because I was an early reader. I've read books like chapter books since I was a little little kid, and I read The Lightning Thief in like second grade, and that magic, that like. I've I've always loved Greek gods, and it's funny that you talk to Athena because Athena has always been my favorite Greek god, and one I always gravitate towards. One because you always have owls everywhere. I've always loved owls. I mean, you remember animals <laughs> and owl. I know, and I don't know. I don't. We have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we get along so well. Um, we yeah. I I've always loved owls, like since I was a little kid, which I think part of that started with Harry Potter, but part of it was like, I always had kind of a drawing towards it. Um, And like, but like the wisdom and the peace element, but also like Athena is like a badass. Like a lot of people don't realize that she's a planner. She's ambitious. She, you don't fuck with her. Yes. And I really, I've always liked her, gravitated towards her, but like, you know, if you don't have a spiritual guide, like how do you find one? Like, do you just like, kind okay, of so if, open yourself and then do, would y'all be willing to like do kind of like a practice like right now totally yes, but do you mind if i go to the bathroom i'm about to explode <laughs> i don't mind can i Thank like can we take like a five let's do a yes. five minute break do y'all want to know something from my perspective on relationships yes yeah. always okay i want you to imagine that your whole body is made up of puzzle pieces so you're like a 3d puzzle okay mm-hmm. and we're all missing little pieces here and there because we just, we never developed it in childhood. We weren't given, met that need or want or preference or desire was never met. Like whatever it is, we, ha- we are still learning about ourselves. And we have all these extra pieces kind of floating around us. It's kind of like the avatar with like the air and water and all that kind of going around him in a circle. Like we have all these extra pieces kind of just floating around us in our Literally aura. looking at an avatar, the last airbender backpack I just bought. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> When we come into relationship with anyone, whether it's a friendship, an enemy, a coworker, or especially a relationship, we start trading pieces and finding pieces mm. that fit. So, and fit those little holes in us and like help us learn more about who we are and we help them learn more about who they are. This is why breakups are so hard and it feels like a piece of your soul is ripping apart because that's actually what's happening. And we, we, keep pieces of them with us and they keep pieces of us with them but it's only pieces that we didn't need yeah and, and they gifted us pieces but, yeah but when we have a breakup especially if it's a bad breakup it's really hard for us to accept that part of ourselves now that is them mm. and and especially people who have abused us in life or like if if people do come from um abusive homes or hard homes like accepting those parts of ourselves whether genetically or energetically were gifted to us by our parents or by people who harmed us and accepting that as part of ourselves so that it can come into balance and peace and love. But the truth of the matter is we're all little pieces of each other. Mm -hmm. And when we come into relationship with people, it feels like part of our soul is like gone because it is. 
we can still feel that connection to that piece. This is what the practice of cutting chords is, if y'all have ever heard that expression. Yeah. Because there's always going to be this little tendril that connects you to that, that part. And cutting a chord is saying, I gift that to you. It, mm. it is no longer mine, and now I'm creating intentional and loving separation. But sometimes it's beneficial to, to accept the illusion of separation on this planet. Yeah. In this plane. Do you think that can help with guilt? and shame or do you think you have to accept the guilt and shame first it depends on the guilt and shame Mm. guilt and shame is highly common and Mm. highly unique in how it's healed Mm. um there's no one size fits all i've also heard that and i don't know what the basis of data for this meta-analysis was but apparently there was this huge meta-analysis of all of these different studies on emotion that have been done around the world and it determined that the one emotion on the entire human spectrum that we can experience out of all of them, there's only one that actually isn't productive for anything positive. And guilt was the one that they had identified as like the only emotion that doesn't serve a purpose. It yeah. literally just causes you to stay. I, I would slightly disagree from my perspective. Mm-hmm. And I, and most people conflate guilt and shame as the same thing. Yeah. I would say shame is the one. Mm. That like makes the, sense. That's the mosquito energy. It's like, why do we have this? Actually, mosquitoes are unfortunately necessary. <laughs> <laughs> that's like food for bats. It's only because we need bats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I, I would say that shame is the one that is absolutely useless and, and mm. hurtful and harmful. And shame, actually, if you watch shame from a psychic perspective, it looks like it looks like a cattle prod, like shocking someone with a cattle prod. Mm. And it feels like electricity in our body. That's what, it, that's what it feels like, though. I mean, true guilt, though, is beneficial. If, right. it, is, if it is felt without judgment, if it is felt without judgment. Mm. You know, if I go into a friend's house and I break their glass, I'm drinking out of a glass and I break it. Guilt is an appropriate response for that. It makes me want to make amends. It makes me want to, like, I'm so sorry. Like, let me, you know, instead of being yeah. like, whatever. Like, yeah, <laughs> I like that differentiation. The, differenti- the difference between shame is shame will then say, oh, my God, I'm so clumsy. I'm a klutz. I can't do anything right. My I'm friend's going to hate me. Right. Yeah. My friend's going to hate me. That's shame. Yeah. And that doesn't do anything productive because you're not focused on, like, remedy. How do I fix this? How do I make this right between us? Um, so guilt when felt without judgment can lead us to remedy, but Mm. shame only leads us into a spiral. Mm. Um, for more information, the, the best person that I'm aware of relative to learning about shame and releasing it is Brene Brown. Mm. Yeah. Probably one of the best ones for releasing shame. The best Mm. person that I know of for releasing judgment is Byron Katie. Ooh, I don't know Byron Katie. She's the one who does what's called the work. And oh. if you if you're ever dealing with like, okay, <laughs> I want to believe that I that people will like me for who I am, but I do not believe that. If I truly <laughs> accept myself without judgment, I cannot believe that people would want to be my friend. How do I change that belief? By the work by Byron Katie actually goes through how to like how to change a belief. And, and she's one of the best that I know of on belief work and non-judgment. Mm. 
Um, well, we're going to put those, those in are, the notes of the yeah, show. So those are two people that I would suggest if anyone wants to learn more about releasing shame, my recommendation would be Brene Brown. Brene Brown? Yeah. Brene Brown. Okay. She has yeah. a podcast called Unlocking She's really Us. big. Not to like plug other people, but... Oh, I please believe, do. We, I, I this believe in the, collaboration. No, this was the last <laughs> podcast on the left fan podcast a couple podcasts ago. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we, I mean, I think that that's how you lift other voices up and should promote. Yeah, I think I, podcasts are a great platform, obviously. Yeah, me too. I listen to them all the time. Um, so, you know, okay. if you want more information on shame specifically, then I would recommend Brene Brown. Yes. Cool. But that, that's what you're specifically going to need to look into mm -hmm. if, if you want to find where your shame is coming from. Hmm. I know I have a lot of soul searching to do. That's what this podcast episode has made me realize. Yeah. Well, and, and, Kick off Allie's awakening. And I'll, I'll remind you, according to what I see, like, claircognitively, when I look at, like, down your path, you're early on the spiritual journey. You're not even, you're, you weren't even going to get into spiritual stuff at all until your forties. You mm -hmm. weren't even going to deal with your shame until your forties. So wow. getting I have a lot more shame to deal with, don't I? <laughs> no, or no, you might just, be getting a head start. <laughs> getting a head start. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In other, in other words, you're like, you're like the 14 year old working on their PhD. Like you're ahead of your time, and, and that's wonderful. She's it an actually... overachiever in a lot of other ways, so that doesn't surprise <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, so I want you to, like, at least, like, take that in from my perspective that, mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm actually ahead in this area, and it's okay for me to be where I'm at right now because I'm ahead. I'm not mm -hmm. behind. Shame right. is going to always tell you you're behind when the reality is that, like, you're not. You're actually early, and you're doing good. That's, that's, it's funny that you bring that up. Cause that's why I like yoga so much because mm -hmm. yoga, no matter how you practice is right. Yeah. Like you could show up to yoga class and sit in child's pose the entire time. And that's, what's right for your practice in that moment for yeah. that day. And that's okay. And I freaking love that. Yeah. <laughs> you, because the biggest thing, oh, sorry, I'm getting really excited. Cause you're already tapping, you're already tapping into the cure for shame for you specifically. The cure for shame for everybody is different. And, and there's a lot of cures because there's a lot of shame. Um, <laughs> one of the biggest cures for shame for you is allowance. Going to yoga and doing child pose the whole time and being allowed to do that. Mm. Like that is, that is healing medicine for you. So allowance is super important. Allowance. For that makes sense. I love that. I'm just thinking of the times like when when I've seen you like loosen up and have fun. It's always like at concerts. Drunk alley. <laughs> Drunk alley. <laughs> she has or, lost. Or just like when we traveled, that was a huge allowance for you. We went to Europe together after Allie graduated college mm -hmm. and at first, like the first day or two, you were like super overwhelmed with this had, place. like seven panic attacks a and, day and we were in an English speaking country. <laughs> yeah. And, and we were in Dublin and the like day three or four, when you really like sunk in and it was like, okay, I'm here for two weeks. Like, let's do it. That was when you just started having a blast. We went you know what's down. Like it was so cool to see you do that. But I think that partially is because that day, that third day, was the day that I had that experience with all the owls. 
and I had to travel on my own. I had to go to like an old castle by myself. I had to use public transportation, all these things, because you weren't there to babysit me. Like I had to do it by myself and I had to figure it out on my own. And then I went and I was terrified, especially because (laughs) when I showed up, I thought I was in a class with multiple people, but it was literally just me and the dude who owned the falconry business. And that, you know, your red flags kind of start going off because you're like, should I be concerned? You know, whatever. And honestly, I was supposed to be there for like an hour and a half. I was there for like four hours. He let me do whatever I wanted because he t- could tell I liked owls. He let me, like, we did falconry stuff and he let the falcons oh. land on me oh. and like the owls landed on my head and like messed in my hair. And it was... With the exception of when Cody and I got engaged, that was the single best day of my life. And I think I remember texting you and I said, Allison, this is the best day of my life. <laughs> That's literally what and she said. <laughs> because it was, it was, it was like a spiritual awakening for me because I, which I don't know what my spirit animal is per se, but like I do, I love owls and they're not like cats where they're like accessible and you can like go to a shelter or go to your friend's house and like play with the cat. It's like, you know, you, I mean, I'm some people pretty do sure you owls. know exactly what your spirit animal is. Yeah, <laughs> I, have, I have a big one tattooed on my back. Yeah. But, and I've always just like that was the best day of my life. And I, yeah, the rest of the trip, I I was a lot less. Yeah, I allowed myself to have fun. Yeah, wow, well, this has been and a, enjoyed. I'm gonna have to send you. There's a YouTube video called. I think it's called like owl people or like what to do if you're an owl person. And it talks about if an owl is your spirit animal, it read me to a T <laughs> and I was like, Oh, and like one of the things is that like owl people are weird. <laughs> like they're like they, horse people. <laughs> they have an eclectic, they have a very eclectic group of friends who appreciate eccentricity. <laughs> and owl people always like know the right thing to say and just hmm. don't even know where we're getting that information. <laughs> we're just... it's, it's the wisdom, right? Yeah. And this kind of circles back around to where we went before we, I had to release my bladder, but like, you know, <laughs> guide who is that guide for us to find, you know? Yeah. So we're going to get into an exercise. Yes. Before we get into that, though, I kind of, Allison, do I have permission to kind of tell you something specific to you sure. for your path? Absolutely. Okay, so Allison, where you're at in your life right now, it's like really super exciting for me, like <laughs> looking at your life path potentials. But what's going to help you the most in this moment, and I want you to like write this down and put it in front of you, to know the difference between determinism and conscious choice. She's typing. (laughs) Know the difference between determinism and conscious choice. Yes. So if determinism is where we lose free will, Mm -hmm. right? It is, no, I need to do this. I have to do this. And I'm going to go in this direction no matter what. Like, ah, you know, I'm going after it, Mm -hmm. right? Determinism is like, I'm determined to do this. And like, all the warning signs in the universe could be going off and you're like, no, it's just a test. I got to push through. <laughs> wow. Like, Allison, that sounds really fucking familiar. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> but like your biggest strength, especially career wise, is going to be around relative to conscious choice. Mm-hmm. Conscious choice 
goes, okay, here's what I know I should do. Here's what I know I can do. Here's what I know I'm like determined to do. What do I choose? What is an authentic choice for me? Mm. And, and to trust your authentic choosing more than you're trusting what I should do, what I have to do, what I'm determined to do. Mm. And yeah. for you, like right now, those two things are blurred. Yep. So getting those two things is two separate concepts that you can recognize mm. because the fun part is going to be when you recognize what determinism feels like in your body mm -hmm. to the point that it's like, ding, oh, I'm determined right now. <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate that a lot yeah ali is like oh allison who yeah. does that sound like because that's literally just oh i've God. always been I a can't. workhorse <laughs> literally yeah. she'd be like uh, i won't get into it because i don't know what's gonna yeah. get published or not but like but your your guys specifically are saying that success and career have been a really big focus on you and so they're wanting to like they want you to know determinism leads to like everything falling apart mm -hmm. <laughs> And conscious choice leads to like everything working out. So they really want you to get in touch with the two, those two different things and trust in authentic choice. I feel like I already, choosing. I feel like I already have an idea of what things I'm doing from, from determinism and what things I'm doing from conscious choice. The reason yeah. I know the reason for me that they're so blurred is because it all started with conscious choice. Mm -hmm. And I like, for me, you just, you just said like success and career, like, the work that I've always done has been for myself and my company. And since it's my company, I'm like, Oh, like I chose this. Yeah. Uh, so I want you yeah. to think of conscious choice and determinism as being the captain of a ship mm -hmm. and determinism is like, we are heading North by Northwest at this many degrees at this many knots. And we're just going to plow right through conscious choices. There's an iceberg. We should maybe yeah. change course a little bit and go around it or we could like come to a full stop and figure out what we're going to do. Like conscious choice is able to navigate rough waters. Mm -hmm. Determinism isn't, it is just a straight line plow right through and your ship sinks. Mm. So think of it in that way will help you to understand why conscious choice is so important. And conscious choice is a constant thing. Yeah. Whereas determinism is like, I make the decision and I go, full force in that direction forever until I slam into a brick wall and the universe has to break my legs to make me realize I'm not supposed to go in this direction. <laughs> Oftentimes you will make conscious choice in this direction only so you can later on down the road, realize you want to go in that direction and pivot, mm. but you're going to need something over there. That makes you pivot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like the only reason you went that way is because like you had to collect this thing for your journey. Mm -hmm. And so they want you to get in touch with conscious choice, but they're saying the most, the, the, the aha moment you're going to have is when you actually are no longer disassociated from the feeling the of feeling determinism of in, in your physical body. You will have a physical body reaction that currently you ignore. Interesting. Because you're in determinism. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because every you, time like, make that connection, yeah. you'll, you'll never mm -hmm. choose determinism again. Every Actually, time you've said, you like, might. feel it in my physical body, I, I, like, feel a rush of energy through my body that just is, like, yes, he's telling you what you need to hear. <laughs> yeah. I feel it like a roll of heat up my body. Yeah. That's cool. This was, this was a game changer for me when a friend of mine who's also psychic pointed out my codependent trigger. 
Mm. So we were all talking and then like something came up and like an argument started between some friends of mine and I kind of got pulled into the middle of it. And then I just felt this like in my whole body. And she looked at me and she goes, your codependency just got triggered. I was like, is this what it feels like? Like, <laughs> it's like my neck gets like cold and shivery and like my body gets hot, but I'm cold. And like, mm-hmm. like I could feel it in my body, but I didn't know what that feeling was. And right. It's code- codependency. Yeah. That's what it feels like in my body. And so now every time I feel that, I'm just like, oh, are we going to choose to be codependent here? Or are we going to choose to speak our truth? <laughs> because I can feel it now. So for you, determinism mm-hmm. is something your guides are saying you can physically feel, but right now you're not recognizing what the feeling is, what that feeling means. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's important for you to get in touch with that feeling. And it might also be important for you to like, slam into a brick wall so that you can see that determinism doesn't help you get where you want to go. Because right. the lie, the lie in your internal world right now is that's the only thing that's going to get you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter is like, no, it's the engine in the ship pushing forward. It's not meant to be the rudder. That makes a lot of sense. You're like that determinism is actually like part of your authentic determination and motivation. Mm -hmm. but it's not meant to be the rudder. Yeah. Your conscious choice is meant to be the rudder. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the key difference and why they want you to get in touch with that feeling. Cool. I'll work on that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, this is recorded. I need to go back and listen. I actually, anytime that I work with clients, I record it because oftentimes because I'm working on the outskirts of people's consciousness and like pushing the envelope of their paradigms or their mm-hmm. beliefs or where they're currently at, some stuff gets missed or some people like glaze over. Mm-hmm. And so they're able to go back and re-listen to it. And oftentimes people tell me that they like totally forgot I said something and it was super important. Yes. And that's why I want to go back and, and listen to this to, yeah. you know, cause this has been, this has been amazing. This has been so, so amazing. And like, I just, I'm like so overwhelmed. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's just learning so much. So let's do the little exercise because I know we're running short on time and stuff. I, I have that tendency. Oh, um, I don't care. <laughs> Allison, are you there? Yes, I'm good. Okay, that's fine. I just didn't know if you like ran away to do just, something. I, I, my, I almost killed the computer and destroyed the podcast, but I didn't because I got the charger plugged in. So okay, that's good. where we're at. <laughs> Yay. Well, that would have been fun. That would have been so sad. <laughs> Welcome to the private psychic reading of Allison and Allie. <laughs> no one else will hear this. Publicly private. <laughs> okay, so let's do this exercise real quick. And we're going to actually go through this a little faster than normal. So don't be surprised if like you don't feel anything or experience anything. Can, can the people at home do this too with us? Yeah, I'm actually going to do this in a way that like... Everybody listening can do this Yes. Right now. Okay, good. I love interaction. <laughs> yeah. So this, this is one of the first ways that people can kind of get in touch with their guides. So you remember how I said, like, somebody walks into a room and you just feel their presence, even though you didn't hear them, you didn't see them, there's no shadow. Like, there's mm-hmm. nothing physically that should indicate a person is there, but you know exactly who it is as soon as they walk up behind you. It's that same feeling that we get from our guides and getting in touch with who they are and their energy signature 
just like if I were to walk up behind you, you knew me really well, and I walked up behind you and be like, oh, Hezekiah, and you turn around, and there I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. in, in the same way, we get to know their energy signature. And so we can feel when they step in, if we're open to it. So here's how we kind of get in touch with that energy signature. Now, personally, I like, we have thousands of guides, but we have one principal guide and, and, you know, depending on the person, five to 12, like other principal guides. Um, but we have like one main guide, right? So that's the one that you are most likely to communicate with. Yeah. That's the one that I like to get people in touch with first. Mm -hmm. Um, our print, what, what differentiates like all the thousands of guides that we have from our principal guides is our principal guides are there with us from all the way from birth till death. They're with us for our entire life. Mm. We have a lot of guest star guides that come in at different points in our lives. If you just stuff. <laughs> making like, cameos. <laughs> making cameos. Like that was Aries for me. He came in to help me with my anger. And I was like, I am not working with you. <laughs> Fired him. <laughs> yeah, I tried to fire him. I got angry at him. And he's like, yes, finally. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not dealing with anger. Um, Aphrodite had to come in and be like, why don't you talk to my man? Like, amazing. <laughs> she had to make me fall in love with him just so I'd listen to him. And now I think he's super hot. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> um, but like, we have guides come and go, but like our principal guides are there for, with us from, from birth till death. And our most principal guide is the one who is, is kind of like our power of attorney on the spiritual side. They are the one who like, if we're not in a conscious space to make a choice, we, before we came into this life, entrusted them to help like guide our life and make that choice for They're us. They're our electoral we, college. No, no, I know. <laughs> not even close. They are, uh, power of attorney is the best. Bad joke. Can, yeah. The power of attorney is the best that I can like analogize it. Mm -hmm. But here's something that people need to understand about guides. We cannot give them our free will. They do not ever want us to give up our free will. Mm -hmm. And if you ask a guide, make a decision for me, I give you my free will which a lot of, which is what I learned in church a lot was yeah. like, give your free will to Jesus. Yeah. He's like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> no loving being in the universe would ever do that. So it's not that they make like, it's not that our most principal guide makes decisions for us as in it's taking away our free will. It's just, they're there to help keep us on our path that we, we to keep us on the path that we already freely chose and just forgot that we chose that. They're acting on our behalf, not in their own interest. Mm -hmm. So that's why I like to get people in touch with our most principal guide. Okay. So we're going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so right now I want you to kind of get comfortable, whether you're sitting, standing, in baby pose, whatever. And just take a few breaths. As you breathe in, I want you to imagine this white light from the universe, whether this is God, spirit, energy, prana, love, whatever you want to call it. It's just pure white light from the universe. As you breathe in, it's filling your body with light. As you breathe out, that light is expanding and creating space around you like a bubble. And what we're doing is we're actually opening up a space for our guide to step into that we can experience them. 
So just take a few more breaths, bring in that light, concentrate it so that it's bright like lightning. As we breathe out, pushing it a little bit further away from us. And keep doing this until you see that it's about arm's length in either direction. That someone could comfortably step inside of this space if we only but gave them allowance. And right now, anyone doing this, their guides already know what we're doing. And then we're going to play a little game with them. So when you're ready, I want you to ask your most principal guide to step into this space with you. As they do, most people don't feel anything at all. That's okay. But I want you to tune in to any thoughts, any smells, any feelings in your body, emotional or physical sensations, anything at all that you experience as you ask them to step into the space with you. And now you're going to ask them to step out. Ask them to leave that space. Notice any change in your energy or physical feeling or experience when they step out of that space. Ask them to step back in again. Ask them to step out. Take a deep breath in again, drawing the light of source, consciousness, God, prana, love, universe, whatever you call it, giving a little more space. With your thoughts, or more preferably with your words, ask your most principled guide to step into that space again, to be near you. Even if you just want to whisper it or mouth it. If you feel safe to do so, if you'd like to do so, ask them to touch you. Ask them to remove that connection while still staying in the space. Now ask them to once again step back from that space. taking note of any sensations, thoughts, feelings, anything happening within your system. If you'd like, you can ask them to be with you. You can ask them to help you know what you're feeling 
or sensing so that you know when they are trying to get your attention. If you'd like, let them know that you're committed to communing with them and understanding them and developing that relationship further because it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Now bring that space in closer to you. As you breathe in, continuing to bring in the light, consciousness, but also closing the space for a moment. You can open it anytime you need it. It's always there. But right now we're gonna come back to physical reality. Take your time bringing that space close to your body. Let the light go across your skin. Let your body move, wiggle your toes or your fingers. Come back to physical reality and open your eyes. Sorry. Why are you sorry? It took me a minute. No, a minute too. Why are you sorry? I don't know. Hmm. Shame. Ding, 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 ding. Hmm. How dare you take another feel... 30 seconds? Thank you, Kaya. That's yeah. great. Mm -hmm. um, so, what did y'all experience? Would you like me to go first or you go first, Allie? Um. And you're welcome to keep anything private that you'd like mm -hmm. or share I'm a, anything. I'm an like. open book. I, I don't care. Um, I'm just saying in general. Yes. Uh, I'll go first because I'm scared I'm going to forget it. Do it. I, f I feel like it took, you know, like when Kai was moving on and saying like, okay, it's time to open. Okay, close again and, and open again. Like I was still slowly trying to open. Um, mm -hmm. And so it was a little bit harder. So I feel like even though like I only got to the position where I was like, okay, I'm in a position if you'd like for you to reach out and touch. And I like felt a little chill on the back of my neck. Um, and when I let go, like when I asked him to come in, I felt this kind of air. And I don't know if it was just like a mental kind of, but I, I kind of like stood up. And then when I asked him to leave, I felt everything drop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I just felt like I got heavy, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's interesting you just use masculine pronouns as well. Did it, did it feel like a masculine presence? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I think I just use masculine pronouns because it's just what I do. Oh, but okay. I, I wouldn't say it felt particularly gendered yeah um, some some guides do have gender or mm. can can be masculine feminine some guides are, are non-binary or genderless mm. um and can be interchangeable sometimes like, i ask guides their pronouns and they're like i don't care like, <laughs> call me whatever you want like they don't have a concept of, of binary gender like we do as humans mm -hmm. so um, but I, I try to take note when people just almost by the slip of the tongue are like he or she, because sometimes it's cluing us into if they, mm -hmm. if they lean masculine or lean feminine, or if they're non-binary or neutral, then maybe we're just saying that instead of they. 
Um, cause most guys, a lot of guides like don't care. Mm-hmm. Some guides do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like the Greek guide guides would, uh, Aphrodite have, is probably yeah. pretty passionate about being a woman. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorites meeting them in feminine form was Archangel Michael. Angels <clears throat> are genderless and they can present Correct. themselves as male or female, masculine or feminine. They, and Archangel Michael is the one that we most closely associate with masculine energy, but her feminine energy is so strong and wonderful and powerful. Like you ever want some strong feminine energy, you call an Archangel Michael, like <laughs> in, in her feminine form. And that sounds she, fun. Is, she is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Cause that is the one that you think about the most. And it's like, Oh man's man. Michael, that's cool. Do you have anything else, Allie? No, it's just, I, I know it was slower and I feel like I didn't get a good sense because I we think We're also just... moving really fast. Yeah, like exactly. Normally I... I would take 30 minutes to do what we just did in five. That was five minutes. That felt like two. Maybe it was two. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it went by so fast. We, like were it... going, we were going 10 times faster than I normally would. Which but At least and you I... understand like, the concept or the principle, most people don't feel anything when their guide first steps in. They mm-hmm. only feel it when they step out. It, it's like mm-hmm. the refrigerator running and the power shuts off and you don't realize how loud it is until it turns off. <laughs> that's so yeah, true. That's a very good analogy. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how I felt. Cause I was like, okay, I'm inviting you into the space and I didn't feel that much change. But when I asked them to step out, it was just like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like heavy. That's the mm-hmm. best way. Yeah. You know, just, I, I don't know. That's the, I don't yeah. know how else to explain it. So it's, it's hard but, to explain sensations that we don't normally feel or have verbiage around. Mm-hmm. But now you know that your, your guide almost has this lifting energy. Yeah, for real. But like, uh, I felt it in my fingertips. Your guide gives you wings. <laughs> what about you, Allison? <laughs> um, yeah, I I just did a meditation this morning with Alex that like had a very similar visualization of the white light at the beginning. I was like, after that, I was like, dude, you need to be selling meditation audio recordings. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so like getting to like the white light space was easier. And the first time when I said like, you can step in, I kind of thought I felt a change. Like I definitely knew it was right here. Like I had Mm -hmm. a a spot, like you got some directionality. I got directionality, like where it was, but I didn't, I just knew like, Oh, it's over there. It wasn't necessarily any other change. But then when I said step out, I felt my body temperature lower a couple degrees. Mm. Like it literally felt like I was in a cooler room suddenly. And then, but it was my body determining the room temperature. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then the second time I asked it to step back in and especially when I said, okay, you can touch me. It was like the same direction and it touched me like almost like back of the armpit, like that, like that, like shoulder blade kind of soft area, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and it felt very hot, like not in a mm-hmm. painful way, just very like condensed heat Mm-hmm. And like a, a wave of it just like flew through my body and I was like, cool. And I also noticed a very like specific ringing in my ear the whole time. 
And so the second time I asked it to step out, I said, like, make the ringing stop if that's you. And that's exactly what happened. And the ringing didn't come back. <laughs> like I was thinking about, like, I can think of the tone that I heard just now. And I keep being like, is that a memory or am I hearing it? But it's a memory. <laughs> but it, it sounded like I was remembering it when I heard it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then. Okay. okay cool. So because <laughs> what you're describing, is, I'm very familiar with. Can you ask? And just kind of, yes or no. Mm -hmm. Ask if it's Raphael. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm yeah, very. The, ring, the ringing started again. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I'm familiar with uh, Archangel Raphael is because of the heat. Mm -hmm. So I had a friend who is one of the most amazing energy workers I've ever gone to. And she told me before we started, she's like, look, you need to know that I'm not going to touch you. I'm like, okay. And she's like, no, you need to know this. At no point am I ever going to physically touch you. And I'm like, okay, why are you telling me this? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. We're friends. Like if you touch me, it's fine. And she's like, but I'm not yeah. going to touch you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yes, ma'am. Like, let's get started. <laughs> so halfway into it, I can feel her hands like they're so hot, right? Like I can feel where they're at on my body, even though my eyes are closed, the lights are dim. And there's one point, I swear, she's got her hand firmly on my side and, and gently pressing. <laughs> and it's warm, mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't want to say like a hot iron, but a hot iron that felt great. A like, hot stone. Hot like a stone. hot stone. Like a hot yeah. stone. Right, just like press against me, almost like like you're checking a tomato, like not trying to bruise it, but you're squeezing it and just right. like pressed, right? And I'm like, I look up and I'm like, oh, you're touching me. And her hands were a foot away from my body. Mm. She wasn't touching me at all. Raphael was touching me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Raphael was like who she works with when she does energy work. Mm. and he he's worked with me before like worked through me there's been a few times he's come in and asked like can i please touch them and i'm like Raphael, my hands are yours and <laughs> they, they heat up like crazy and i just like that's so funny because like to. like hot hands are like i always have hot hands it it, it may or may not be Raphael wanting to like I want to touch someone. It's, it's really funny because like I literally like I'm my base body temperature is has always been 96.8 instead of 98.6. Mm -hmm. And like so that's like almost to the questionable low end. Right. Like sometimes right. doctors mm -hmm. are like, uh, <laughs> but I'm always so hot. I sweat so easily. Anyone who sits next to me gets hot and sweaty because I'm exuding heat. And so I've always been like, oh, my core temperature is cooler because I'm constantly putting heat off. <laughs> but yeah, that's interesting. One, <laughs> one part of that. So there's two things at play. Like yeah. Archangel Raphael is a healer. Mm -hmm. He loves he or she, but we typically think of Raphael in the masculine. Mm -hmm. He loves healing. Yeah. He, he, he loves laying of hands. Mm -hmm. Right. So he wants to touch people to heal them. Yeah. Obviously there are some people who don't want to be touched and that's yeah. okay, but he can like kind of energetically hold them in, in, and do his work in his healing without touching. Mm -hmm. um, but he loves laying on of hands, but he, his presence is very hot. It's, yeah. it's, it's heat. It's warmth. 
And as an empath, you're able to feel what other people feel and Raphael's able to heal what you feel. So you're transmuting energy for other people. You're ah. healing energy for other people, but you're doing it in your body. So part of boundaries is to say, hey, I'm not available for healing right now. Mm. I really need to rest. I really need to relax. I would prefer not to heal right now. I'd prefer to be in my own energy in my own space. It's going to be very important for you to like, not know that, like to know that that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Right? There's always going to be, oh, somebody's always going to be available. Yeah. It doesn't have to be you. Well, and I want that. I want every empath to hear me. It doesn't have to be you. Someone will always be available to heal. You can take a break if you need it, if you want it. Even if it's just because I would prefer to right now, that yeah. is okay. Our guides want to hear that from us. I literally said no to a dear friend today because he really wanted to be in my presence for some reason. And I just was like, bro, I'm exhausted. No, yeah. <laughs> that's the small example, but yeah. It, it reminds me, um, you know, just talking about this. So Kaya, Allison and I have known each other for 10 years. Um, and I don't talk to like a ton of people from high school. I don't talk to a ton of people in general. Um, I have a pretty like, like I, I don't have a ton of friends but um I remember because Alice and I were close in high school but we weren't like as close as we are now and I remember when we I was reaching out to her I think sophomore year I was like yeah I don't talk to anyone from high school except for you like even my close friends from high school I just didn't really talk to and Allison's like you know everyone tells me that <laughs> she still <laughs> talks to so many people from high school and I think it's because you have the kind of healing energy and like it's not, it doesn't take a lot to be around you. Cause I know I've told mm. you this before, but I was so scared that you were going to be so tired of me by the end of the <laughs> Europe trip that you were going to punch me in the eyeball. <laughs> but like, I never felt that way around you. I just didn't. I was scared I was going to, but I didn't. And I think we could live together and there would be no issues just because I mean, from my end, totally. I think that would be really hard to live with. <laughs> I just, when Kai was talking about that, it just hit home. Cause like, I've been your friend for so long. I've seen how people interact with you. And that's exactly how it is. It's, I mean, he's, he's you for you. It's crazy. <laughs> Every empath also needs their own space. Like I've always said that if I, like, if I ever get married again, I still want my own room. Mm-hmm. And like, as empaths, we desperately like want to be around people because like, it can be, it can feel like deafeningly silent to just be in our own energy. We're used to feeling everybody's energy. Yeah. But we also need that. We need that and we fear it. <laughs> mm. And, you know, just to get into our own space and recharge. So even if you don't have your own room to like draw a circle on the floor. I don't care what you do, but it's like, this is my space. And, and like, it creates a salt's great. It creates an energetic barrier that like, now I'm just in my own space. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you saying all that stuff too. Allie. Yeah. That was that's, nice of you. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm just speaking from, <laughs> I've had, yeah. I've had some people describe who see it, like who see energy more visibly. I've had several people describe it as shimmery. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's kind of <laughs> makes sense too. <laughs> Your aura. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually 
um, empathy. Yeah. It, 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 it doesn't have like a solid mm -hmm. form. Mm. That makes sense. Well, um, I, have so, I still have so many questions. We've been talking for two and a half hours. <laughs> well, I want to wrap the podcast yes. so we can end yeah. that. Um, guys, I hope you enjoyed that exercise Yes. Um, with Hezekiah. That was awesome. Uh, we would love to hear what you experienced when you went through it. Uh, so make sure to reach out to us on social. We're at Allison podcast on Instagram and at Allison underscore podcast on Twitter. We also have Allison podcast at gmail.com. Um, so reach out to us on any of the ways you'd like. Um, Hezekiah, Send us your oh, podcast yeah. recommendations and experiences that you had with this podcast or other episodes you may have experienced. Mm -hmm. And uh, Hezekiah, you can find it psychic underscore AF <laughs> and then psychic as fuck <laughs> on Instagram. Um, and Hezekiah, thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> oh, this thank has been you. great. This yeah. has been mutually beneficial. Oh, that makes me feel good because I, I don't want you to think that we were just using you. <laughs> this no. <has> just been... <laughs> this is like, this, you're getting to see me, like, especially as my cousin you actually get to see the real me. Like I keep my psychic stuff under wraps most of the time, unless I want to do a party trick. And like, <laughs> but no, this is my normal life every single day. Like, no And I'm what. so glad you felt comfortable sharing that with us and with yeah. our five, five listeners. <laughs> we actually have a lot more than that. It's kind of scary. Uh, who knows, a year from now, like I could be getting messages all over my Instagram. Like, do you do readings? I'm like, oh, <laughs> I am so for the podcast. I'll like, take your money. This damn podcast I did five years ago. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you need, if you would like to work with me, I'm totally happy to do that. Just <laughs> I may or may not see it because I never check my DMs. But, but yeah, hey. yes. Thank you so much, Hezekiah, for coming on. And we'll catch you next week, fam. Yeah. And all is on with the Allisons. Hit us a subscribe if you like it. And be nice if you don't. Five star review. <laughs> yes, please. We love you guys. Bye. And we'll talk soon. Bye.